BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Cheering at pro wrestling shows in Japan is back. And 2023 is already shaping up to be a big year in the history of pro res. That's why you should listen to the Emerald Flow Show. From the Royal Road to the Green Mat, Paul and Gerard take you into the world of All Japan Pro Wrestling and Pro Wrestling NOAA. Not only do we analyze events, but we examine business, who is getting over, what angles are working, or not. Occasionally, we take a look at other Japanese promotions like DDT and Zero One. So if you're looking for more coverage of the world of Japanese wrestling, check out the Emerald Flow Show on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. Available on all of your favorite podcast apps. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. You are listening to the flagship podcast with your hosts, Joe Lanza. The fucking sun sucks. I don't know what you people see in the sun. I don't know how you people do the sun. It's it's just the dirt worst. I want nothing to do with it. I'd be content never going out in the sun again. And Rich Crage. This is the dumbest show. I cannot believe it. Pay, some people pay us $10 to listen to the show live. This is what we give them we, for 45 <laughs> minutes. Been doing this for 10 years. Why? Ever bigger than ever. More people listen to us than ever. Than ever. Why? And we are live on the flagship podcast. I am Rich. He is Joe. Joe, what's happening? How are you? What's happening with you, Rich? Not too Rich. much, Joe Lanza. Not much at all. I'm uh, I'm excited about this show. I'm excited about this particular episode of The Flagship. Now, I'm excited about most episodes of The Flagship, obviously. But this episode, I'm, I'm very, very excited about because we are covering... This feels like a classic flagship. We are covering wrestling in America. We'll talk about WWE, AEW, you know, Inspire Pro Wrestling or Inspire AD, I should say. Uh, in the independence, we're going over to Japan. We're going to talk a little G1 climax, a little Yuki Yuji Kobayashi. We're talking Mexico Triple Mania, CMLL. We're going to Europe and Refro. We're going all over the place. I forgot about MLW. Slammiversary is this weekend, and I definitely have not forgotten that multiple times throughout this day, including just that one point when I definitely remember that Slammiversary is this weekend as well. There's a lot of wrestling going on all across the world, and man, we're I, I, I dare you to find another show that's going to cover all that. I dare you. Find another show that's covering MLW, Inspire, Rev Pro, Mantar, <laughs> G1. You're not going to find it. You're just not going to find it. Only here. That's a huge week. Big week. There's a lot going on. 
crazy week in wrestling, man. Yeah, crazy, crazy week. Some people might not think so, but yeah, you really dig in here. There's some some great stuff going on here. So yeah, I I, I feel like you know I, I know people love the banter, but I feel like we got so much stuff to do. I I don't I don't know if we can banter. I think we just got to get into it. Nah, you know this is this is the kind of week that suits our show. It's it's incredible. <clears throat> I talked to you for 20 minutes before this started, and now I'm having like throat problems and I can't. <laughs> you were fine. Properly. You sounded perfect. Now it sounds like somebody's like gagging me with yeah, a, you're with right a there, wire or something. <laughs> the to go is somewhere around the, the hell's he? <laughs> getting your G1, really getting ready incredible. for the G1 by getting uh, <laughs> choked by a garrote wire. So I think I'm okay. But okay, um, good. Yeah, no, they, they, this is it really suits our show because nobody really even attempts to do what we do, and that's cover everything. And we won't get to literally everything, but we're going to try our best. And yeah, it's probably one of those weeks where we have to skip the bullshit and get right to it. But, um, where do you want to start? I mean, there's a lot of different places we could start. There's a lot of different topics that you could argue can be the the, the lead off topic yeah. here. So I I think well let let's because you know if if you're a subscriber to flagshippatreon.com you 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 see you see our topic and run sheet uh, for this week and it's absolutely loaded and it's got just a crazy amount of stuff and and you know I was kind of debating what's the best way to start. I think it's probably a good way because let's talk about SmackDown and the ratings that SmackDown had for for last week's episode with the trial of Roman Reigns and and you know they've been building momentum over the last couple weeks and we've been talking about it on this show that the bloodline angle after you know months and months and months well hell years of it really not mattering for business whatsoever is absolutely on fire to like every degree you can possibly say in terms of people buying tickets in terms of people watching on television just everything critically acclaimed by their fans like the bloodline stuff is just it's working it's working in all facets of WWE and this last week's Smackdown Absolutely crazy, crazy ratings here. It averaged 2.56 million viewers on Fox, up from the 2.5 million they had the prior week. Uh, that's the second highest viewership of the year, behind only the uh, 2.56 million, uh, 2.563 million they got in June 2nd. So total viewers wise, June 2nd was a little bit better, but still, we're talking June to July. I mean, still, regardless, that's a lot of the bloodline stuff still kind of getting those numbers up uh, as high as they are. But the demo numbers, though. Are just massive. They were huge. In the 18 of 49 demo, the show drew a 0.76 rating up from a 0.69 the last week. That is the highest 18 of 49 demo rating of the last two years. And it is the highest, uh, this is from WrestleNomics, uh, the highest 18 of 49 viewership since the often referenced NFL lead in episode on December 25th, 2020, 0.96. So obviously, Christmas Day 2020, there's an NFL game going on that leads right into SmackDown. A big number there. And I know we talked about it at the time that that was like a very weird number that's like, ah, yeah, that one's kind of, you know, people are watching the NFL game and they forgot to turn it off. You know, they didn't sustain those numbers at all. Those numbers dropped pretty quickly thereafter. The next week dropped. It was obvious that that was what an outlier week. Well, <laughs> they're not that far. I mean, they're 0.76. It's still pretty far from, you know, 0.96, obviously, with an NFL lead-in or whatever, but just an insane, insane demo number. This Bloodline stuff is it's fucking working, man. It is working like nothing in that company has worked in a long, long, long time. Two things notable to me. Number one, the segment itself, which ran like 40 minutes or whatever it was, which, by the way, I still haven't seen the whole trial gimmick because um, Nexstar owns, I don't know if you're aware, the Nexstar DirecTV carriage dispute. No, no. Uh-oh. So Nexstar, which is a media company that owns a lot of local Fox 
and CWs and even a couple CBSs, if I'm not mistaken. I could be wrong about that. Um, but anyway, Nexstar is a pretty big media company that owns a lot of local networks. They happen to own my local Fox affiliate. And they're in a carriage dispute with DirecTV. So I haven't had Fox. And I didn't know this until I tried to watch SmackDown on my DVR. And I had a, like a, not a test pattern, but like a explanation of why there's no programming on this channel. Like that's where I learned about the carriage dispute. It affected the uh, All-Star game the other night too. I had to watch the All-Star game like on the Fox app or whatever the fuck. Um, so I still haven't seen the trial, you know, it was one of those kind of deals where it was like, all right, well, I was kind of happy to be off the hook. <laughs> where, I was like, all right, I guess <laughs> right. I don't have to watch, right. oh, I don't darn. have to watch SmackDown this week. And, and yeah. it's like, and you haven't sought alternative <laughs> methods either. Like there are probably several ways for you to, uh, sit down and watch the trial of Roman Reigns, but you're like, ah, my cable affiliates on. I simply, there's just simply no other way in 2023 to watch this segment. Yeah. I'd love I, to, but I just, I just can't. I just can't. I, I, I gladly took a break from SmackDown <laughs> this week. Believe me. Um, but look, I, I went out of my way to find on the couch. Ah, oh, shoot. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> Listen, I, I, I just said, I went out of my way to watch the all-star game. Like I found a way to watch that. <laughs> right, right. You know what I mean? But the, the, the SmackDown didn't quite get around the to world's, it. That was the world's easiest hand wave, you know, of, uh, oh, well, uh, not going to find that pirated anywhere more than likely. So I'm just going to uh, find that very easily pirated, by the way. <laughs> 20 but, um, seconds, easily. <laughs> so anyway, the, the point here is I, I haven't even seen it and I'll probably never see it because I just don't have any interest in it. Um, you know, we're not going to do the whole bloodline thing again. We, we do that ad nauseum every week. People are probably tired of it. Uh, they know where we stand on that by now. But uh, that next star dispute, you know, they own a lot of Fox affiliates. Um, you know, I, I'm not saying it, it would have had a massive um, because, OK, it would have to be Fox affiliates that next star owns that also the people that live in those areas are direct TV subscribers. But there's probably a non zero amount of people who didn't watch SmackDown this week who normally would have. And I'm sure it affected the rating to some small degree. Right. So, oh, for sure. They yeah. possibly, you know, in my case, it's, you know, my Fox affiliate. Um, is out of Houston. I mean, it's not exactly a small city. You know what I mean? So, anyone in Houston with Directv in the Houston market didn't didn't you know didn't factor into this number. But um, actually, my Fox affiliate might be Waco. I'm not 100 positive. Pretty big difference between Waco and Houston. So, um, actually, don't hold me to that. But you, you get the point I'm trying to make here. There could be, um, you know, they could have actually done a little better. But uh. The, the 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 demo rating during the 40 minute trial was almost a one not a point one yeah a one a one so it was like point nine seven or something like that um I'm not looking at it but it was somewhere very close to being a full one in the demo for those 40 minutes so um the other thing aside from the massive rating during the actual segment that I thought was interesting was and this is not me trying to you know, downplay it or downplay, you know, the overall interest in the company or anything. But the rest of the show, you look at the rest of the quarter hours and there's really nothing out of the ordinary. Uh, a lot of people did tune out after that trial was over. Uh, but we all know the bloodlines carrying things over there on SmackDown uh, to the point where they were doing, you know, two to 2.1 million viewers for a while. And now they're up close to 2.5 million viewers a week on average. And it, it's all due to the bloodline. You look at raw, and Raw's pretty steady at about 1.8 million viewers, you know, pretty much every week. They're doing good. Uh, they're not doing gangbusters like SmackDown is because they don't have the bloodline storyline on that show. But, you know, Cody's over there doing his thing, and that show's doing fine. But um, 
you know, the, the entire company is healthy. The ticket sales, obviously, um, you know, this, I think, is finally a year where I will seriously consider voting Roman Reigns for the Hall of Fame because now you have a guy who has a long track record of being on top where he wasn't necessarily moving numbers, but now he's moving numbers in a massive way. Uh, it still is only one year. Um, maybe, you know, even a little less, actually, where he was a massive difference maker in terms of ticket sales and, and television ratings. Yeah, we're really looking February but, to July at this point right now, basically. Yeah, yeah, it's it's less than a year, really, with the massive movement. I mean, it started to heat up before then. Um, but, you know, it, it, this is going to be a year where I'll, where I'll seriously consider looking really close and possibly voting for him for the Hall of Fame. I think that um, they've finally gotten him over as a legitimate superstar. One area they haven't broken into the mainstream, I don't think, at all yet. And I don't think Roman Reigns has broken into the mainstream at all yet. I see a lot of people throwing around things like wrestling boom. I would pump the brakes on oh, that yeah. stuff. Oh, yeah. No, 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 no. no. They, those I, those are know, people that didn't live through any of the previous wrestling booms, if you're yeah, saying right I, now is a wrestling boom. It's, it is not. It is not. I don't I don't see that at all. I think if... Uh, I wish. That'd I be think, great. That'd be great for our business. I wish it was a wrestling boom. <laughs> I would, be tremendous I, for our business. Roman, keep it going, um, pal. Keep this thing going, man. Let's get this but, thing uh, booming. But uh, right now, no. Right now, it is it is not a wrestling boom. Now, this place is doing well. I mean, AEW is about to put 80,000 people plus in a building. Uh, they're number one on cable last week. And I think, I'm not positive. I don't know if that can't. They were probably number one or close to number one on cable this week for last night's show, which did basically a flat rating to last week, a little bit down in total and a little bit up in, in demo. Uh, so they're doing great. Warner brothers discovery is um, putting out press releases weekly touting how great that the AEW programming, most notably dynamite is doing. And they're about to throw that bucket of money that we've all been speculating on at them uh, very shortly. I won't stop so, giving them TV time. There's, there's, there is like nine. When Excalibur is running down all the shows that AEW has this week, I was like, why are there so many AEW shows? He's like, oh, then we have Rampage, and then we have Collision, and I'm like, oh man, it's already a lot of shows. He's like, and then Battle of the Belts, and I'm like, what? Another show? Like, God damn it, Warner, stop giving AEW television. Stop. You know, no, it's I like, mean, no, giving it to him, but, but I see what you're saying. But it was just like, like what? <laughs> Another show, and it's like, and then Battle of the Belts. I'm like, what? Battle of the Belts and I, too, and I, like. And I don't think, and, and you know, Battle of the Belts at this point is basically just an hour extension on Rampage. We all kind of recognize that, yeah, but for sure. still, um, you know, but but well, it speaks you know, to a healthy relationship. That, it speaks to the fact that again, if oh, they were it's like, a ah, very healthy relationship, yeah, we don't know about these guys. We're not quite sure. It's like, oh, here, just continue to take primetime television slots from us. Thank you. Yeah, don't. I mean, you know, the people saying those sorts of things are complete morons. I mean, AEW Dynamite is an unmitigated, massive television success story. Anyone who thinks different is just completely lost and doesn't know what they're talking about. You know, they're fixated on dumb shit like, you know, million viewers a week or what they're doing in comparison to WWE. And all of those things are irrelevant. It's a massive television hit. I mean, it's it's top five on cable every week. It's number one a lot of the time. Um, but I, for the most part, our listeners understand that. And there's no point really wasting. And, and then, you, like you said, look at the relationship. They just keep throwing programming hours at them and it's it's wbd that's asking for these programming hours you know they pitched the idea of what went on to become collision not tony khan so um anyway yeah it's a healthy wrestling uh industry right now it's definitely healthy i stopped short of boom i don't know if it can become one that you know who knows maybe maybe we can enter another boom i don't know 
I don't think we're there yet. I think Roman Reigns has finally broken through as a legitimate pro wrestling superstar drawing card, which he never really was before. Or at, at minimum, it was ambiguous. It was it's certainly a, a debate you could have with someone. Right. It, it, it right? tended to be more vague, like kayfabe accomplishments. Anytime, you know, they're like, oh, well, he made have edited seven WrestleManias. And it's like, yeah, but, you know, like, right. not no, by merit. Oh, yeah, a lot of it a, wasn't merit based. It was just because they were in a post success world and Roman was the guy that they just wanted to push all of this. So yeah, that was, it was uh, all the accomplishments that you could go to Roman mostly were things that just happened because a, the company got, you know, an incredible business and, and, and just turned into an incredible business and turned into a money-making machine. Now, if you want to give credit to Roman for that, you, you can, I don't know if I'm was really that's ready to do a, that's that. That's what I'm, that's where I'm saying it's ambiguous. Right. Or like he may have ended X amount of things or whatever. Or, oh, WrestleMania sold 80,000 tickets and he was in the main event, but it's like, yeah, but it sold 80,000 tickets before, you know, he got, even got announced or whatever. Whereas now it's like SmackDowns are selling, you know, later in, in, in their life cycle as, as you know, a week up, you know, there, there'll be 8,000, tickets left or 6,000 tickets left or whatever and those get scooped up the second Roman I mean he is they're announcing him and things are getting sold and that that has never right. been the case before and that's what we've always said like they would announce him and wouldn't sell any tickets and you know ratings wise he wasn't even always the biggest quarter hour mover and and it, it, you know it was now that's all over he's a legitimate pro wrestling superstar level draw that he is he is now um so uh, but but in terms of a wrestling boom, I, I can't say that we're there yet because even though he's a legitimate pro wrestling star and a legitimate pro wrestling um, uh, draw, indisputable at this point, he hasn't broken through to the mainstream. Oh, God. You no, know, no. He, and, he and could like, walk down one of these red if, carpets and, and nobody would know who he is. Nobody no one's going to know any who clue he is. You, know, you go into a mall and you ask 100 non-wrestling fans to identify this picture and hold up a headshot of Roman Reigns. And you will get a hundred people who do not know who that is. I, I'm confident you'd get one hundred people who don't know who that man and is. And eighty nine of them would say he's Jason fans. Momoa. <laughs> Whatever, uh, you know what I mean? Like so many people would be like, oh, "That's Jason Momoa." Yeah, I know who that is. And you're like, "No, nah, it's it's a different guy." But that's fine. Take a shot in the dark, right? <laughs> right. Long hair, yeah, you know, whatever. And it's especially if they can see the body, you know, just take a shot in the dark. But um, no, it's uh, it, it's not like you know, my wife's in the other room. And, you know, I cover and discuss pro wrestling for a living. She has no idea who Roman Reigns is. And she lives in this house with me. You know what I mean? So it's like, I, I don't think we're in any kind of wrestling boom where Roman Reigns is someone who's, um, you know, uh, has has broken through the medium and is now some sort of mainstream star, which is what happens in wrestling booms. Okay. Um, and I understand, and we talk about this all the time with, with celebrities and whatnot. And I understand things are a little different now and more compartmentalized and fractured when it comes to any kind of type of star, but you couldn't walk down the street in 1986 without, you know, uh, running into, you know, some kind of reference to Hulk Hogan during the attitude era, you know, Stone Cold, Steve Austin and Dwayne, the rock Johnson were legitimate household names, right? They, they were hosting they SNL. They were on the cover of TV guide, yeah. which that was a big deal. Trust me at the time being on the cover uh, of TV guide. NWO shirts were just ubiquitous with life. You, you saw, you saw wrestling shirts everywhere. Every super, every store sold wrestling shirts, you know, they're, yeah, it, it, insane. If you didn't live through it, it's impossible to call what, what is happening right now a wrestling boom. It's just impossible. I mean, that no, you can't say that. And it could happen. I don't know. I mean, we, we, we could have, be having a different conversation a year from now or six months from now. But right now, I mean, you know, I can't I can't call this a, a uh, 
a wrestling boom. Right. Is it healthier but, than it's uh, been in a very long time? Probably. Healthy. Yeah, extremely probably. Healthy. Yeah. Yeah. It's extremely healthy. And, um, but, uh, you know, to, to kind of transition off of that, do you have anything else on the SmackDown rating? Or? Uh, no, it's just, yeah, it's pretty wild. Um, how, how, how these numbers are really, you know, getting there. And, and I know that, um, you know, Dave Meltzer's been kind of tracking it that uh, he's looking to see if 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 SmackDown. I, I don't know if this week it became it or or he's thinking that maybe this next week or if the momentum continues that they'll just legitimately be the number one show on television on a Friday, which is just yeah, <laughs> just it just. Well, I guess you know when you look at the the writers and now the actor strike. Yes. So now now I've seen a lot of people attribute that to the WBD push for more content out of AEW, and, and you know while you can't discount it wholesale i genuinely don't think it has much to do with that i think that warner brothers discovery had what you described as that healthy relationship with aew uh before any of this uh became a massive factor in hollywood so i don't think their um attempts to 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 get more content out of tony khan including the pay-per-view stuff that we'll talk about later in another topic have uh, are entirely chalked up to that, like some people are saying. Can't hurt though. Um, Certainly can't hurt. You know, if you know, in a couple of weeks or in a week or so, they're going to be hurt. looking around and saying, "Well, shit." <laughs> you know, wrestling's still here, like it was in the pandemic, and that that right. is I, probably one of the things that kept AEW in, in in as good a graces as as they were with WBD. Not that there was anything that could have you know really jeopardized that that we've seen, but like you know, running throughout the pandemic, not taking a week off, always delivering live tele. I mean that that. You know, we, we've heard from people that said that that, you know, in their minds, it's like, wow, that, you know, they did. Those guys did us a solid. The wrestling company did us a solid because they didn't stop. They didn't go away. They could have. They found ways to do it. They worked around it. They did whatever. And they delivered, you know, uh, they didn't miss a week. They did not miss a single week of yeah. of their television show, even during a, you know, a, a global pandemic or whatever. The heart of the pandemic. Yeah. And, and not, neither did WWE. And, you know, I, I don't want to bang on people too hard who in the moment when there was a lot of confusion and nobody really knew what COVID was and uh, you know and in real time we thought it could fucking kill everybody you no one really knew what was in hindsight we understand it a little better and um but there were a lot of people at the time who were very critical that AEW was running every week and, and thought that Tony Khan should shut it down and we were saying at the time on our little shows while you you know while you were on lockdown and we were doing the shows in the afternoon Remember that? We were yeah, doing yeah. the shows like on <laughs> 3 p.m. Because you were home. <laughs> yeah, I was home, man. Yeah. And and we're doing live shows in the middle of the afternoon talking about Big Japan and fucking 2AW. And one of the uh, big talking points was AEW should shut it down. We we know Vince isn't going to be responsible and do it, but Tony should be better than that. And our argument was, no, they'll cease to exist. They can't shut it down. They just, you know, they won't exist anymore if they shut down. They they have a contract and they have to honor that contract. And 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 look, and now it's paid off in other ways, you know. So um, anyway, uh, something I wanted to get to was so with the bloodline being red hot and uh, Roman Reigns is going to win the Flair Fez MVP award in a walk. Uh, number two is it's going to be one of those awards where it's like he has – uh, 11,000 points and number two has like 700 points. It's going to be one of those. He's just going to absolutely destroy everybody. Uh, that is the award that is the all encompassing pro wrestling MVP. It takes into account drawing power, match quality. Um, who's the biggest star in the business? Who has the best promos? It's the all encompassing award and he's going to win it. He's going to win best box office draw as well, which is not an award that people vote on anymore, but I can't see Dave Meltzer giving that award to anybody else other than Roman Reigns. 
Uh, I'm not sure if there's not, anybody not, even in UFC that that could. You know, because no, some Roman years, Reigns is running away with. That. Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think. Meltzer, like, I, and I don't follow UFC it, you know, enough to know that anymore. But I, there's nobody ruling business like that, right? No, Roman's getting that award. Even if it, if it was a voted upon award, still, which I think it still should be. I was always someone who felt like you really could vote on that award. Um, he would win in a route, and I think Meltzer undoubtedly is going to give it to him. So he's going to win that. He's going to win the Flairthes MVP. He has no shot at most outstanding. That one he's not going to win. Um, I don't even think he'll place in the top ten. No, and he doesn't deserve it either, um, to be honest. I mean, it, the, no, I mean the Roman matches are fine, but they're no with 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 Will Osprey still doing Will Osprey things and Kenny Omega still doing Kenny Omega things and and numerous guys across the world. No, there's no no chance in hell. Yeah, and I mean his matches in to their fans, those matches are great, but they're not great for the traditional reasons that they're not they're great because of the uh, storytelling that they're doing and the performative stuff and the theater and the mid-match promos and their their fan base eats them up but they're not the kinds of great matches that are going to see roman place well on something like most outstanding and i don't think any of his matches are going to do well in our match of the year poll and i don't think his matches are going to do well in the observer match of the year poll or any major match of the year they're not going to make a dent in the top but he's gonna he's gonna win the mvp and uh, probably deservedly so at this point. But I do think there is a wrestler that people, that a lot of people are either overlooking or aren't aware of where you can maybe make a case that this person should win it and not Roman Reigns. And I think if I had a gun to my head right now, I'd vote for Roman Reigns just based on his insane drawing uh, uh, record that he's put up this year. Um, but I think Mystico is a lot closer than a lot of people would give credit for. And a lot of people listening to this show might be surprised that I'm even bringing up that name period. Now, if you're on top of CMLL, the way that I've been rich, I've watched every Friday night show all year. I've watched every single one of them. I've watched uh, random matches from the Guadalajara shows and the other stuff that pops up that have been, you know, I, cause I'll ask Cubs fan. I'll ask Rob Viper. I'll ask people in our discord. Hey, Anything, this is going to be a familiar question to people I've asked this to, but I, you know, I always say at the end of the month, Hey, is there anything that wasn't on Friday that I need to see? And then I watch all of those wrecks. So I've been on top of CMLL more than just about anybody. Okay. I've watched everything every Friday. This guy, Rich, they put 10,000 people in that building every single Friday, give or take a couple, you know, thousand here, a thousand there, a couple hundred here. There's 10,000 rowdy fans in arena mexico every friday night and he is without question the biggest star in these shows and almost always in the main events and this is you know it's it's not far off where he was you know what year did he win wrestler did he win the flair i want to say 2006 uh, but let, let me let me make sure five or oh six yeah or something i, I want to like say that. six but let me let me clarify that before we, we, we when as we're moving on but um yeah, yeah continue your so, point and then i'll find it that's when he was really peaking as a uh, 2006, as, as a 2006. World, 2006, when he was, you know, the, the biggest draw in the world and one of the biggest stars in the world. And he really broke through. We all know what happened with the WWE run. We all know he had some bumpy years, um, you know, coming out of that, you know, not having rights to the name, going to AAA first, then getting back with CMLL. But um, after all of that, Mystico's back. And he's back to, you know, putting 10,000 people in that building every Friday. CMLL is having a great year. And, you know, I have to tell you, is is he my favorite wrestler that I've seen in CMLL this year? No, he isn't. Um, you know, I would put, you know, I think, uh, 
whether it's uh, uh, Teton, if, especially if you're throwing his New Japan stuff, or Templario, or Hechicero, who I'm going to talk about later. Um, I've enjoyed, and, and there's probably some others where I've enjoyed just the work, but when Mystical wrestles, and especially in these main events, he owns the building. He's a god. And he's a god in that building. He's, yeah, and and uh, Rich, that's 10,000 people every week, that's, and that's not that the only night count. they run the building. That number counts. The, those people count. You know, and it, and that's not the only night they run the building, and it's not the only building he's he's work. It's not the only matches he's working, and um, you know, I don't think that there's a strong number two contender for that MVP award in AEW. I don't think there's one in New Japan. No, there, there's. Um, and that's actually I was going to interject and in saying like AEW. There's just nobody that you could. I don't know who you could reasonably, if you wanted to say, ah, well, I'm going to vote for somebody from AEW, like. I don't know who that person is. I mean, who who's who's consistently drawing business? Who's you know, if if it's an all encompassing MVP award, not just hey, this guy's really good, or hey, this guy has good matches, or whatever. You know, no, it's it's it, who's actually moving business in that company, and it's 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 not CM Punk, it's not John Moxley, it's not Kenny Omega, it's not the Bucks, it's not you know Jericho, it's it's you know not Brian Danielson, it's not MJF. No, it's it's nobody. I mean, you, you, I, I don't know that you could reasonably vote for a person for me if you're if you're voting on the actual letter of the law, what the award is supposed to be about, what the actual ethos of the award is, you kind of, yeah, I, I hate to say it, but you kind of have to vote for Roman. Like, you know, he, right now, he's definitely the leader in the clubhouse in July, you know, July 13th. He's, to me, the the unquestioned one if you're going to vote in America. And and and, and yeah, if you want to get a little cute and say, hey, you know, hold on a minute, what about Mystico? I think he is as reasonable as, as a Roman that's Reigns. That's the thing. Yeah. That's the thing. I, I don't even think it's getting cute. I think he's a legitimate contender. Yeah. And, you know, people will read this as, ah, you know, Joe Lanza, he don't like Roman Reigns and he don't like WWE. And it's really not about that. It's more about what Mystico is doing more than what, you know, trying to discredit Roman. And it's trying to uh, let our listeners know and maybe let some people know who don't necessarily pay attention to CMLL or Lucha in general that what Mystico is doing some special things down there. You know, I don't want to compare it apples to apples to, to 06, but, um, you know, it's not far off. And now he, you know, he just started up this feud with, with Teton last month and, you know, that's going to be a big feud and, and, you know, they've got a lot of hot feuds going into the anniversary show. You know, you've got the Teton mystical thing that they're heating up. You've got, you know, Hechicero, you know, those guys just, his, 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 his boys just turned on him and they're, they're building maybe a match at Mephisto at some point. And then you've got, the Dragon uh, Rojo Jr. and Templario uh, thing that's starting up, and then you know you have a- Angel Dioro challenging Volador to a hair match, to a hair versus hair match. And I'm not saying all these matches are going to happen at the anniversary show. And then you've got Soberano Jr. Yeah, Soberano having a tremendous oh, year. So I didn't even mention yeah, everything before. I've watched of him. I've, I mean, I've loved. Yeah, he's probably my favorite CMLL guy this year. Yeah, that's it. He might be the best worker to me in the company all year. And he didn't even come to mind when I was naming people earlier. You know, that's how good that the CMLL stuff has been. And the Volador Rocky Romero feud that kind of just wrapped up as Volador moves on maybe to Angel Dioro and 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 that issue, you know, which was uh, you know, carried the feud which carried a lot of those Arena Mexico shows from from January and then um the Fantastic Mania show it just headlined at you know at uh, on, on June 30th. But um yeah, Mystico is a legitimate wrestler of the year contender uh his star power is undeniable um and and cmll is really doing some great things and i just wrapped up watching all of the cmll from june so um 
I just want to run through some things real quick and give people some recs and, and what they should keep their eye on. And this and will be a part of your write-up as well, right, for at, uh, at, at our Patreon? Oh, <laughs> yeah. So the June Notebook Roundup is coming. I was actually going to write it uh, the other night, but I haven't seen the Fantastic Mania show yet. Okay, and they're airing that on Friday. So that's the delay on that article. I like my, my goal is to always have it out by the 15th of the following month. So that still could happen. It's going to be tight, but I didn't feel like I could write that article without having seen one of the biggest shows of the month. So I want to make sure I watch that show first. And the, 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 the framework of the article is written, though. It's the last thing I have to watch from the month. So, yes, I'm glad you brought that up because the notebook roundups are something that people have really enjoyed. And um, that one is coming for June after I watched the Fantastic Mania show. Good. The Cause, Mexican. Because I'm behind. I'm, I'm behind on CMLO myself. So, yeah, I, I looked to that and I was I was going to try to catch up in the last couple of days. Uh, and then I realized, hey, Joe's going to have the, the, the roundup. So I'll know what to watch. And you're going to do it in this segment here. Uh, as well, uh, so I'll know what to kind of watch because I've been behind. I've been watching other stuff and kind of busy with some other things, and I've been like, man, I got to get back in on, on uh, CMLL because we talked about it, you know, a couple uh, month or so ago. We talked about how just awesome the company had been uh, in the first half of the year, and I don't want to fall off from that. So that's uh, that's good that that's coming there. Flagshippatreon.com, by the way, patreon.com uh, slash Voices of Wrestling coming in the next few days. But uh, there, go go ahead if you wanted to do the uh, yeah the recommendations look, now. The January they had a great January. An incredible January. We talked about that. I know you saw a lot of that. I thought their May was their best month since January. And I think that June, now that I've seen all of it with the exception of that one show, was might have been that this may have been their best month all year, at least in Arena Mexico. So, um, yeah, the, the highest recommendations for some of the stuff I'm going to talk about. And a lot of it isn't necessarily like great matches, a lot of it is just they're telling. They do so many good week-to-week little stories that start one week and pay off the next week. You know what I mean? And and when you're watching a wrestling promotion, that's really all you could ask for. Because there's been periods of CMLL that we all know where there's been no care put into the booking. We all know that. It's just the Friday night shows are these random things for the tourists, and they don't put any attention into the hardcore, what the hardcore fan's going to think about it. And that really hasn't been the case this year. We've seen a lot of week-to-week, like, for example, on the 2nd, on June 2nd, they did the uh, trios title change. Atlantis Jr., Star Jr., and Volador Jr. They beat Euphorio, Hechicero, and Mephisto for the titles. And the finish was Hechicero and Mephisto having some miscommunication. And um, so they lose the titles to the uh, Technicos. And then Hechicero cuts a promo afterwards. I assume he was talking some shit on Mephisto. Mephisto cut a promo back. And then, you know, they came to blows. And Euphoria kind of stayed out of it. You know what I mean? He kind of stood off to the side and was like, all right, you know, sometimes brothers fight. I think that was the idea behind it. So uh, I'm just going to let these guys uh, go at it. But then the next week, and this is exactly what I'm talking about on the show on the, uh, on the ninth, they had these, uh, was it the ninth or was it the, uh, oh yeah. So they had, yeah, they did the best two out of three falls. Mephisto, Hechicero, Mano y Mano. They're going to have their singles match the next week after coming to blows. And towards the end of the match, Euphoria comes down. And then him and Mephisto jump Hechicero and, and beat the shit out of him. So, that, so it's like that's what I'm talking about. Um, where it's kind of like uh, they, they build from, from week to week on these stories. 
And um, and and again, both weeks, Mystico in the main event, and just over like a motherfucker in both of them. And that was the week where Mystico was on the opposite end of Teton in a uh, in a trios match, and they really got their feud um, uh, heated up at that point. Uh, the next show was on the uh, I guess the sixteenth, and this is where we had um, Mystico Teton in the main event after them you know challenging each other the week before after after the main and uh and and mystico uh beats them in the best of three falls main event which was probably the best match i've seen so far in a month i went notebook on it i went four stars on that um so you know and then they had a trios i think the next week what would the next week have been that would have been 23rd right 16th and then yeah 23rd Yes, let me pull up the 23rd. So on the 23rd, they they were on the opposite end of the trios in the main event. It was Dragon Rojo Jr., Teton, and Volador against Mystico, Soberano, and Templario. And they did a great finish, okay? They, they, they trade the first two falls. And then on the third fall, okay, they had uh, someone gets pinned. I forget who it was. But, you know, it's either the captain has to get pinned or the other two guys have to get pinned, right? So one guy gets pinned on one team, and then another guy gets pinned on the other team. Uh, it's Volador. Volador gets pinned, and then uh, I think it was uh, maybe Templario, who then was immediately pinned by Dragon Rojo Jr. So they're out of the match, right? And it's like now it's two-on-two. Two. And then Dragon Rojo does a dive on... Soberano to the outside, and now they're just on the outside on the floor. So it's down to Mystico and Teton, who I think are the captains in this situation. So Volador tries to get involved again, and the referee's like, "Oh no, 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 no! You were pinned. <laughs> like you, you're, you, you got to stay out of this. It's you know." So while the referee is fucking is is trying to keep Volador out of the ring, okay, Teton rips off his own mask and throws it to Mystico, and then falls down and does the Eddie Guerrero deal. And is like covering his face, right? So then the referee turns around and sees his mask in Mystico's hand, and he sees him on the ground protecting his face, and he disqualifies Mystico. And they win the third fall and they win the match. Teton Volador and Dragon Row, which is not a like a unique finish. We've seen that finish before, but it's it's done just sparingly enough that when you do see it, it's it's great. And it really worked in this scenario because it really got Teton over as like this, you know, this scummer who hasn't been able to beat Mystico, right? And he knows he can't beat him, but he took the opportunity to take the cheap way out and beat him by DQ in the trio. So, and and that was something that had been built from uh from the previous two weeks. So, I thought, you know, they did a really good job with that too. And and now obviously, you know, they might be building towards another singles match at some point, maybe even at the anniversary show. I don't know, but Teton's a guy who has broken through this year, obviously in New Japan, in Arena Mexico. We talked about Silberano as a guy who's broken through. Uh, Mystico's doing his thing. Hechicero is now uh, teaming with the Technicos in a lot of these matches. On, on that the show on the 23rd, he teamed with Ultimo and Gran Guerrero. And on the other side was uh, Cavanario, Euforo, and Mephisto. So he went up against his boys. He seems revitalized and, uh, a little bit too, because there was that year, like, you know, five or six years ago where he was like really, really good and everybody was hyping him up. And then it seemed like, you know, after watching him the last couple of years in between that, it was just like, yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I got it when people said that one year that he was really, really good. And then, I don't know, it just didn't, 
it didn't click the rest of the time I was watching him. But yeah, for whatever reason, you know, coming back this year and watching him, I was like, man, he. I don't know if I'm alone in that, but he just feels really good. I don't know what it is. Like he just kind of felt revitalized or whatever. It might just be the company itself just feels hotter. It just feels like everybody's trying a little harder. Kevin Ario the same way. You know, that was a guy that that was a sensation for a while there. And then there was a couple years where everybody was just like, yeah, I don't know. Maybe that was it. Maybe he just kind of peaked. And now he seems like he's a little revitalized. So it might just be that people are just, you know, excited about the company and the wrestlers themselves to, you know, involved well, in that you as gotta well. Watch, you got to watch the turn. You got to watch the turn and oh, definitely. Uh, and yeah. matches. Because, um, you know, he's over as a face now in that building. You know, they, you know, he's getting over and he was the right choice. If you were going to break up that group, he was the one that you're one you're going to, you're going to want to go technical with. There was no doubt about it. So, um, so, you know, that's something exciting that's going on. There was a match too. Um, I'm going to give people one more. There was a match on the show on the ninth that I, an undercard match that really stood out to me because it was a bunch of guys I'd never seen before or at minimum don't remember watching uh, very much of. And that's the other thing. On all these Friday night shows, you you get these cool lightning matches, and they often feature freelancers or undercard guys who don't typically get to work Arena Mexico, right? Or maybe they don't get to work Arena Mexico too much on the Friday shows, or maybe they're outsiders. Like one of them this month was uh, uh, Raider versus Diamond. And I didn't know anything about those two guys. And it's not like they went out there and had a match of the year. But I came away very impressed with Diamond as someone who had a real main event look. Like he has a great look. The work, eh. But he's someone who I think, obviously he got their attention. They put him on a Friday show. They put him, you know, in an opener. And he's someone that I think, you know, if you get behind, maybe there's something there if, if the work comes around. And, you know, he was the, you know, Raider was the Rudo in that match, and, and he won the match. But there's always a real – I never skip those lightning matches, even when they're people, you know, I, especially when they're people I've never heard of because it gives me a chance to see some fresh talent, and 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 they're always – and you're in and out. They're 10 minutes. I mean, the whole concept is it's a one-fall 10-minute match. So, you know, it's not going to eat up a lot of your time either. But anyway, on that show on the 9th, there was a Rudo team. It was, uh, I want to get these, see if I get these names right. Uh, Defunto, Fioria Roja, and uh, Zandokan Jr. Okay. Now, I don't know about you, Rich. I don't know anything about any of those guys. Uh, no, I don't, believe it or not, I do not know any of those men. I don't think I'd ever seen any of them wrestle. Um, just glancing at their cage match, it looks like, again, these are freelancers that were given a big opportunity. Um, or or undercard guys, whatever the case may be. One guy doesn't even have a cage match profile, and I don't know if that's because of a changed gimmick or you know whatever. And uh, you know they took on uh, Ray Samurai Stigma and Guerrero Maya Jr. Guerrero Maya Jr. who just won uh, the vacant middleweight title earlier in the month, by the way. Um, but these three Rudos had so much charisma, and I'm watching this match just thinking to myself. I don't know anything about these guys or what the deal is or the politics of it, but to me, they earned themselves a spot. I mean, they blew me away and it wasn't, you know, their work was great. And you could tell that they knew that this was their opportunity. Like, you know, how you can tell sometimes that guys just know, all right, I have to impress people. The working shoes were on and, uh, and their charisma shined through. And, you know, a lot of times with these prelim matches, the crowd isn't super into it. Like they are later on. But these guys got the crowd into their match, and I thought they were super impressive too. And I went three and three quarters on that match. So um, that would be on uh, June 9th if people are taking these wrecks. That sounds yeah, are, that sounds right up my alley. I got to definitely check that out. 
Yeah, you know, so um, that's the same show where they had the Mephisto Hechicero best three out two out of three falls. And um, look, the main events on these shows, they're usually like, I don't know, three star specials, but it's Mystico and it's all about his charisma. It's all about, um, you know, him being so over. And then, you know, like I said, they've been kind of meaningful during the course of that month because they, 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 you know, they, they kicked off the Teton feud. So, and, uh, you know, the match on the 23rd where they did the DQ finish, um, you know, I, I went notebook on that too. I thought that was a fantastic match. It, it was Rojo Jr., Teton, and Volador Jr. against Mystico, Soberano Jr., and Templario, a lot of the guys who have just broken out this year. And that's when they did that mask finish I talked about. And, you know, that's that's another one that's going in the notebook and that I'll probably write about when I write up the June stuff. So I haven't seen the fantastic Amania show yet. And um, I will watch that as soon as I can. And I haven't watched any of the July stuff where they're, they've been, you know, that's where they shot the angle with dragon Rojo jr. And Templario and, 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 and Angel Dioro challenging Volador to the hair match. So I haven't seen any of that stuff yet. Um, Cause I think we're too, no, we've had one show. We've had the show on the seventh and then there's a show tomorrow as far as the uh, Friday shows, but the fantastic mania show, which I don't think a lot of people have seen unless they ordered the pay-per-view or were watching it live. Cause it's just not available anywhere yet. Yeah. Um, I hear that the Rocky Romero Volador junior match was great. Again, the one in January was great. Um, the mascara Dorada, the new mascara Dorada 2.0. I don't know 2.0. if you're aware of this. Oh yeah. Yes, 2.0. The, uh, Pantarita del ring has been given that gimmick. You know, there's a new Drago in AAA too. Oh boy, Drago. is he Drago 2.0 or is he just Drago? Now Drago switch gimmicks, and um, there's a new Drago in AAA too. And and I don't know if you saw this. The other Viano son is Viano three junior, right? Viano three junior. Yeah, the one that was with AAA, he jumped to CMLL, so now they're both in CMLL and they're getting booked together. So there's a lot going on. But the new Mascara Dorada uh, versus El Desperado was said to be great. Um, I, I gotta tell you, the lightning match with Tiger Mask and El Satanico, I, I, I have, I, I am so interested in seeing El Satanico has got to be almost seventy five years old at this point. But um, <laughs> yeah, he's got. Let me see how he's seventy three. Wow, <laughs> Jesus! So apparently they went to a time limit draw. So I have perverse interest in that. El Satanico at one time was considered one of the best wrestlers in the world. I don't know how many people know that. You know, at one time, probably, I don't know, 30 years ago, but um, maybe even more at this point, but um, still going. But uh, yeah, no, that show, you know, LIJ was on that show. So I can't wait to watch that. And then I can't wait. I'm waiting. I don't, I don't want to watch any of the July stuff until I see that. I know that there was a tag match from one of the uh, Fantastic Mania shows that was put out on CMLL's YouTube. I don't, not sure which one it was whether it was something from Guadalajara or I don't think so. It was something with Despy. Let me see if I could find it because um, that's actually out there free and legal right now. Let me pull up Despy's matches from the tour um, and see if I can figure out what match that was. And I think that that was an excellent match too. It was Despy and Hechicero versus Dookie and Templario. I'm okay. pretty sure that match is on the CMLL YouTube right now. And I've heard it's pretty good. That was from the second 
which would have been the Sunday show. So, um, and then as I said, I'm pretty sure the Fantastic Mania show from the 30th is airing on Friday. So, that's yeah. So that ma- anyway. I'm looking at their YouTube right now. That match is available. If you if you look it up, it, it uploaded two days ago. You'll see it, it says El Desperado and and. Uh, uh, it says Hechicero and El Desperado versus, and then it, then the title cuts off. But that that's the one. So if you go in at 25 minutes and uh, 20 seconds, and, and all the, I mean, most of the stuff that you're talking about is available on their YouTube channel as well. The Fantastic Mania is not, but uh, their YouTube channel is very good. I mean, if you're looking to try to jump into CMLL, uh, YouTube channel is pretty solid. Of course, uh, the Notebook Roundup is a great way to find out, you know, things to watch, and also LuchaBlog.com, who just does obviously an incredible job, writes previews and, and reviews for us. Uh, but does an incredible job of giving you results. And so if you if you look at a video and go, I don't know what the hell's on this show or whatever, uh, it's always a good idea. That's what I always do. I look at the date. Then I go to LuchaBlog.com and I see, okay, oh, that, that's the matches that are on this date or whatever. Okay, this is the match I'm looking for or whatever. Then I'll watch that or, or just put them on. But a lot of this stuff is available. A lot of the stuff is available for free on their YouTube channel. So it's very, very accessible. Well, and I mean, it's not even a secret. If you go to LuchaBlog's Twitter, he's got a link to his drive. Right there on that his Twitter page. <laughs> that too. So, if, if there's anything missing on the YouTube channel, yeah. you can also go to uh, uh, Lucha Blog's Twitter, and yeah, you'll be able to find it pretty easily too. So. And he, yeah, and he's got everything on his drive, you know. So um, all the stuff that you can't find on their on their uh, on their YouTube page. But um, anyway, that's going on CMLL. I I, I felt like uh, I should run through that because I really thought June was an exceptional month for them, and by the sounds of it. They're off to a great start with some of this stuff in July. And, of course, that's all going to lead up to, what is it, the 89th? I think it's the 89th I believe they are on 89. Let me see so. which which year they're on at this point. I believe that sounds right to me. Let me make sure. Because it's not 90th. So, or 88? 88 maybe? No, no, no. It's I, I think you're right. It's 89. It's 89. So hopefully we get a lot of those matches that they've been building here for the anniversary show. Um you know, who knows? They might pay off some of it before then. We still have a ways to go. Um, they may go different directions with some of the stuff, but um, you know, we'll see. I, 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 you know, Teton Mystico, that that has the potential to be a really big match. Wait, so I think we're done. It the, is the ninetieth. I believe it's the ninetieth. It is ninety. It is the ninety. Sorry, people. Yep, Saturday, September sixteenth, ninetieth. We got it. Sorry. Okay, so it's ninetieth. That's a big one. Um, That's a big one. Yeah, we're going to get all kinds of corrections in the chat in about four minutes. But, um, I'm typing it right now. We got it. Yeah. 90th. We got so, it. <laughs> we got it. It's all right. We got it. The 90th. That's a big deal. That makes sense. Because if you go to the YouTube channel, there's all these videos of like, you know, black and white videos of all these other guys. But, but they, you know, they obviously have so much history. So, yeah, why not embrace it? But, yeah, 90th is a big one. And 90 years. They've been around for 90 years. Man. Yeah. Yeah, and almost didn't know, survive so. the pandemic. Almost didn't. I mean, they almost didn't do it. it, it it's it's. People say like, yeah, if you go, like that was the closest that company in the ninety years that it was around was to just saying, you know what, fuck this, we're done, it's over. It was dire. I mean, you tried to watch some of that stuff in the empty arena, Mexico, and it was just it was really brutal. Um, and you know they're always up and down booking wise, but right now. They're doing, you know, it's just, it's not just packed crowds every Friday. Those crowds are, are, they're great crowds too. I mean, they're into all the top stuff and mystical is like a God. And, um, it, it's really, it's, it's really been a great promotion this year. You know, I put them on the short list of the best promotions that I have watched this year 
you know, it's uh, you got to have AEW there. And, uh, you know, I might have, might have CMLL number two. I mean, if I really think about it, has there been another promotion that I have personally enjoyed more than I've enjoyed watching CMLL? And the answer is probably no. Rev Pro would be in the conversation. Um, yeah, it, you know, uh, other than that, I, I don't think there's anyone else that, for from for my personal taste, have even come close. Yeah, I, I like so a lot of from, wrestling right now, but like consistently, the companies that always deliver. Yeah, there's not a whole lot of those. There's a lot of ups and downs from a lot of the companies across the world right now. Yeah, I you know I I from, I, from the first half of the year that I saw CML was was right up there. Uh, I'd like to get back and, and watch you know obviously June and, and and try to start following in July a little bit more, but. Uh, no, I mean they they probably are yeah, they're in that running for sure. They're not, they're not going to get their love they won't get enough love in the observer wards these days like that's impossible now, but yeah, it's 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 good that you do bring them up because I know a lot of people and 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 there has been discussions like on our Discord or whatnot where people are talking about, you know, Flair Thaz and rest of the year and stuff and people saying like, "Look, we got to talk about Mystico. We can't we can't just say, "Oh yeah, it's Roman's award. Forget it." Like it's maybe it's nerd shit, but hey, this it's the Observer Awards. It's nerd shit. You know what I mean? Like, that's okay to do nerd shit, but people need to be aware of what's going on there. I mean, you can't just ignore Mexico and just say, ah, well, it's Mexico, whatever. Like, that dude's drawing those houses. That guy's that star. That guy is main eventing all those Arena Mexico shows, and they're all selling 10,000 tickets. Like, that That matters. That has to matter. So, um, and, and also, the best again, he can do, the best he could do is probably second, but probably, but at least be in the conversation. Let, let's, let's talk about him. Let's at least give him that, that, you know, give him the, the the decency of talking about him in this conversation, which he absolutely, absolutely does belong. Uh, I mean, look, as someone who watches nearly everything, you know, I don't watch any Joshi, so I can't speak on any of that. I don't watch Game Changer, but outside of that, I pretty much either watch everything closely or have my eye on everything else in the world, okay? I'm telling you right now, there's no one else I would vote for over him if if you're leaving Roman out of it. There's no one in AEW. There's no one in New Japan. And outside of those two companies, you're going to be hard-pressed because the other companies aren't big enough for somebody to win something like a, a, a uh, an MVP award. Right? They're just the other companies aren't big enough. Um, there's nobody in NOAA. Uh, AAA, which I guess this is a good transition, is, an, is a train wreck this year. <laughs> to you know, put it lightly. <laughs> yes. You know, you go from one Lucha promotion that's been well-booked, is having great matches, has a lot of hot feuds going, runs a hot building every week. And then you got AAA, which <laughs> can't get out of their own AAA. way. <laughs> and, then, and you picked a good year to hand wave it because... Man, did I. Rich, it's been bad. And I have to tell you, you know, I watch all these matches. I do the notebook roundups. I've got... One AAA match all year oh. in my notebook. Oh, with that roster. And, Look at that roster. There's so many good wrestlers on that roster. One? Well, and you might be, oh, that's the thing. And, and, and you know, you might be saying, well, Joe, you know. And by the way, it was in January. <laughs> right. Okay, and so. it's July, for the record. <laughs> yeah. And it was Commander versus Jack Cartwheel, if people are wondering, from the 21st of January. But um, people might be saying, yeah, but Joe, you, you know, admittedly, you're not exactly... Uh, you know, right on top of uh, everything that hits tape from AAA. And, you know, you, you would be correct if you brought up that point. Um, but how about somebody like a Rob Viper? You think he's keeping an eye on everything? Oh, of course. Out of AAA? Of course. I, would, I would say so. Yeah. Um, he's got just on his personal list that I'm looking at here because uh, he puts up a public blog. He's got Commander Jack Cartwheel from the 21st at four and a quarter. I think that's the exact rating I gave it. 
And um, he's got that in his high-end match of the year contender list, okay? With, you know, seven or eight other matches, most of them, most of which are CMLL, and then one big Lucha match. And then he has the next section, which kind of like matches that are borderline four stars, which is how he does it. And there's only one AAA oh. match on that list. And he watches everything. <laughs> and he watches everything. So it, this isn't just Joe Lanza's not watching enough AAA. I'm sorry, he has two, which is the same point. Um, it's not just Joe Lanza's the, not watching AAA. And no, AAA is not having a good year by anybody's standards. You know? Then I'll go down to his next listing. Then he does something called Fun Zone, where he doesn't really get any, give anything a star rating, but I guess it's just stuff that he thought was cool, right? There's about, I don't know, 30, 40 matches listed there. One AAA match on that oh, list. Oh, no. <laughs> it's just there's nothing happening. So on his entire list of notable matches for the year, ranging from high-end match of the year contender to fun, he's got four total AAA matches listed the entire year. So my list of one is pretty complete. It's also the only one he thought was great. So um, that's just to give an example of someone else who watches a bunch of Lucha. I mean, AAA is an an absolute disaster from both an in-ring standpoint, a booking standpoint. They're still telling us Roosh is going to be in this fucking match. (laughs) Right. Is he? I don't know. Um, Nobody knows. (laughs) I guess. I mean, you know, Roosh in in L.A. Park because – the, the deal is they're in the finals of this tournament. Right. They, they have a show, by the way. There's a triple mania this weekend, uh, July 15th. It's one of the fake triple manias. It's not the real triple mania. It's one of the weird ones. It's in Tijuana. It's this weekend. It's on fight. Voicesofwrestling.com slash fight, by the way. Uh, there is a preview available at Voicesofwrestling.com, but uh, it starts off. I will I will read the first lines of the preview to kind of give you an idea. Then, Joe, I'll let you uh, I have the floor here, but Cubs fan wrote the preview for us, and he as well watches everything, similar to Rob Viper, watches everything uh, that happens uh, in the company. Uh, he starts his preview at VoicesOfWrestling.com. Says Triple A rolls into Tijuana on Saturday, a shambling mess as ever. The cards headlined by a replay of one of the matches of the year, a big tag team match that may or may not happen, and one of the most popular Mexican wrestlers against an AEW comedy heel. It doesn't quite make sense. It's Triple A. It never does. The match that he's referring to is Pentagon Jr. versus QT Marshall. Yes, which is a real thing happening. Yes. Uh, Oh, by the way, I mean, this show has Vikingo versus Kenny. (laughs) The main event, if you did not know, which I'll be honest, I didn't. I (laughs) I didn't until uh, uh, earlier this week. Uh, Vikingo and Kenny Omega. Yeah, is your main event. It'll go on last. The drawing match, of course, is the Roosh L.A. Park. Right. To see if they advance. It's one of those deals. They're (laughs) taking on Sam Adonis. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's Sam Adonis and Psycho Clown on the other side. And the idea is, you know, it's one of those deals where the team that advances, then they have a singles match. They're basically trying to sell you on the idea that Roosh and L.A. Park are finally going to have their hair versus mask match. Okay, which I think, you know, most observers felt like it was going to be Sam Adonis and Psycho Clown, quote unquote, advancing anyway, whether Roosh shows up or not. But that is like the drawing match of the show. But we don't know if Roosh is going to show up. He, he, you know, he's, you know, it, it, it's Roosh and it's LA Park. Not so much LA Park this time, but it's it's Roosh and I don't fucking know. They don't know. Who know? Maybe Roosh doesn't even know. I don't know. He's been a perfect little soldier in AEW. No problems out of Roosh in, in AEW. You know, but um, you know, with Triple A, he's going to pull it because Triple A is a fucking shit show from top to bottom. The booking, everything. 
I mean, the booking's a mess. It's just someone someone said this in our Discord earlier today. I thought it was hilarious. They're like, Conan has the biggest balls because he goes on his little <laughs> podcast right. every week and tears apart the booking in every other company in the world. Most you know, mostly AEW because him and Disco that's their shtick. And he's like the worst booker in the world. <laughs> it's like, like he's booking a, a company with all the, you know, all the resources that you could possibly imagine booking them into absolute oblivion. <laughs> he like he probably is the worst major league booker in the world. I mean, I I that's pretty safe to say. You know, they're not even drawn well. I mean, it's a mess. There's people in our chat saying the weekly TV sucks. I mean, there's just nothing. But listen, you're going to get Vikingo and Kenny Omega. And that's, you know, undoubtedly going to be phenomenal it will but also so, the production of a uh, of triple a is fucking awful it's so bad every time i get lo- locked and loaded to watch one of these fake triple mania shows or a real triple mania show i'm quickly reminded that oh yeah this is another reason why i cannot stand this company and despise this company is that the production is fucking terrible like you, you'll, you'll get and i don't know if that's the case this show hasn't happened yet so we'll see but like you know a lot of times watching their shows like the commentary is awful. It's Hugo just screaming the entire time. They have Hugo's commentary over the loudspeakers, so it's just you just hear him screaming over the loudspeaker. You have to watch the match on the fucking surface of Mars because they cut to the widest shot you've ever seen, the longest and the widest shot you've ever seen in your entire life because they want to make sure that you get as many of the ads and stuff and the scrolling billboards uh, and whatnot in the background. It's just it's not even a very good experience to watch. Like you know, even even the Phoenix Vikingo match from last year that you know a lot of people were like, yeah, "This is great." I watched it and I didn't. I didn't feel anything because I just thought the production was so fucking terrible for it. So, yeah, I, I I always have to go in with a little bit of a, hey, you know what? I'm excited about this match. Hey, it's Kenny versus Vikingo. It'll, and then remembering, oh, right, I watch these shows and I fucking cannot stand the production of this show. Yeah, well, I mean, anyway, that's your top three. The Roosh match that may not happen. Pentagon Jr. versus QT Marshall in an ambulance match. An ambulance, yeah. You forgot to mention it's an ambulance um, match as well. The always exciting yeah. ambulance match. And then Vikingo and Kenny Omega for the you know the AAA title. Uh, and then there's a bunch of stuff on the rest of the show stinks, man. The rest of the show's I mean, got nothing. It, it's AAA. It's just a bunch of multi-man matches, and it's matches with a bunch of people in them. Bodies will fly around. Tables will be broken. And you'll just be watching it like glass-eyed and like, uh, what am I watching? Like... You know, so they're doing a, they got another Copa match with all, you know, the bunch of guys and Willie Mack, Mr. Iguana, Jack Cartwheel, <laughs> Vahi Ejra, Flammer, uh, Miss Disease Jr., Puma King, Nino Hamburguesa, one of my least favorite wrestlers in the world. Oh, terrible. Uh, 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 Dinamico, uh, Gringo Loco, who's going to catch a bunch of people in this match, uh, Laredo Kid, Taurus, and then a mystery man. Maybe more than one mystery. Man. I'm sure there will be several mystery people. Whoever shows up will, will, will. And this is the this is the battle royal thing that goes on for two hours yeah. and uh, a total waste of your life every time you watch it. And there's some really good wrestlers in there that you can do some really interesting things with. But it's Conan. <laughs> alas, <looking. laughs> alas, it's Conan. So, yeah. uh, well, nevertheless, um, we got a women's six person match here. Team Mexico. Lady Shani Dalis and Sexy Star, not that sexy star, versus Team Rest of the World. <laughs> Team Rest of the World. I love it. Camille, Natalia Markova, and Viva Van. So I know Rich will be locked into that. Oh, one. absolutely. Camille, Natalia, Viva. Yeah, no, I'll be there for sure. So Vampiro, who won the last big triple. Uh, <laughs> he retired. Triple Did he show, retire? 
um, got mad because I think was it Chessman? I think it was Chessman. Sure. Uh, went after his head, and he didn't want to get, uh, you know, worked. Up. And so he just decided to stop working, rolled out of the ring, <laughs> shook his head, and said, "I'm, I'm not. This is uh, uh, not Joe. I, I far be it for me to, you know, uh, bring this up, but <clears throat> I thought I, re- I, I thought I remember this man retiring last year at one of the triple manias. Well, am I, am I incorrect in that? Uh, <laughs> my, my memory of said uh, retirement." See, we're making light of this, but I think the guy might need the money. Okay. You know, I, I and we all know he's got what is it, the early stage Alzheimer's? Is yes. That what it is? Yes. Yeah. And he's got all these other physical problems. He should not be taking bumps. You know, as noted earlier, he got mad because someone tried to do a drop kick or, or to his head or a punch, and and he just stopped working in the middle of the match and just shook his head and rolled out of the ring. It was an absolute farce, one of the worst matches of the year, and. We talked about it. Like, if you want to help this guy out, okay. But why are we booking him in matches still? Can we pay him to do commentary? Can we pay no. him? <laughs> no, please, actually. <laughs> yes, yeah, too. No, no, no. Don't say anything we can't if take back. Wanna... Just pay him. Just give the man money and tell him, thank you for all the service. Thank you for the years of service, sir. Pat him on the back and tell him that he could just go home. Can he be a manager that doesn't get physical? Can he be an on-screen authority figure? Sure. Can Great. he... It's AAA. Who cares? Can he be Can he backstage and help guys out with their matches? Yeah. I mean, to put him in these matches, it's like, I don't know. I'm sure he's not saying no, but it's like sometimes you got to protect people from themselves. And I don't know. So it's Vampiro, Jack Evans, and Aramis versus Pagano and La Rebellion. So I'm sure Great. it'll be fantastic like the last time Vampiro wrestled. <laughs> um. Then we've got a Atomico's match, Rich. A little four-on-four action with mm-hmm. uh, Negro Casas, Chessman, Argenis, and Daga. The always not exciting Daga. <laughs> the least, uh, one of wrestling's least exciting wrestlers ever, which is shocking. Like it, it's, And you kind of forget. The thing with him is you always forget, and you're like, ah, Daga, here we go. And then you're like, wait a minute. <laughs> right, he sucks. <laughs> it's, he is the new Mr. Electricity Steve Regal. <laughs> right. Not- not the one that became Lord Stephen Regal. Not that William Steve Regal. Regal, yes. The other Steve Regal where you're like, all right, here we go, Mr. Electricity. And then you're like, all right, yeah, bell rings. And then you remember, oh, right, he's absolutely boring. The, the other territory, Steve Regal, who was, you know, most notably in the AWA and some other places, who his name was a rib because he certainly was not Mr. Electricity. Um, anyway, Daga is like the jaggiest jag who ever jagged. I mean, you don't get jaggier than Daga. He should be Jaga, right? Like his name should be Jag. I'm gonna call him Jaga from now on. I just came up with that on the. Air. No, you did not There's just go- no, no. You've done that same joke like seven times. He's so he's really? so boring. Yeah, I'm positive I for- you've done that joke before. I, I'm positive. I forget, I, I, I forget my own bits. Well, you, he's so forgettable that you forget your own bits about him. I think you have done the Jaga bit like five times. Every I promised last year when we were, we when we previewed. One of the real or one of the fake whatever triple manias or whatever. I'm positive you made MLW that same joke. Or something. <laughs> I'm yeah. positive you made that joke before. Yes. All right. Well, he's Jaga. And you're going to do it again uh, next year. We're going to re- re- preview another. Fa- you might do it in September when we preview the real I triple might. mania. Uh, it might happen again. So. 
carry well, on. Well, now that you've completely humiliated me, I will tell <laughs> you the other team. Well, you were so proud. <laughs> I just wanted to knock you down a peg. You were so proud. I was proud. I had a, <laughs> had a big smile on my face and everything. Um, the opponents are Nicho El Millionero, which, of course, is uh, Psychosis. Uh, Damien666, Ray Horus, and Extreme Tiger. Again. That could be good, but it probably won't be. So, <laughs> A lot of name talent on these shows. Yeah. A lot of big stars. You could do a lot of interesting things. Yeah. He's got a giant blob of guys with <laughs> a bunch right. of stuff and all. Extreme Tiger, and, pretty fun, pretty exciting. Yeah, let's have him, you know, brawl with Chessman. All right, sure, great, yeah, whatever. Know. You, know, <laughs> you know, it's... Uh, and, we give a and, singles, you, and give a singles match to QT Marshall. <laughs> ambulance match, no An less. ambulance match. Which I'm sure has been, you know, because of Conan's, you know, Top of the line, pristine booking standards. I'm sure it has a tremendous build. Oh, I, I only, yeah, unquestionably it does. Unquestionably. It does. Uh, ambulance match. Um, it's more than likely just some kind of backdoor deal that QT Marshall cut to get on this show somehow and they'd squeeze him on there. And I'm sure the story's hilarious how he ended up on the show. But um, I like QT Marshall. I think he, you know, outside of the QTV pre tapes, which have been abysmal. Um, he's been a really good ringside manager in AEW. He takes a lot of big bumps. I think he adds to the to the to the matches on the outside. Um, I just don't. <laughs> this is just such a bizarre match. <laughs> Pentagon it's, just, it's like it's like 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 Cubs fan says in his preview. There, it's like Pentagon Junior is like one of the top stars in Mexico. Like you can't find anything else for him to do, but an ambulance match with QT Marshall. You know what this is? This is right down to the stipulation. It's something that a 14-year-old books on his WWE 2K uh, creator wrestler fed that he posts on YouTube, right? Like you'll see Pentagon Junior versus QT Marshall ambulance match, and it'll be real pictures of the guys, and you're like, when was this? You <laughs> like, I, got, I, sim- I must watch this, and then yeah, you look, and then you realize, well, it's you look someone's... at the percentages, you see a lot of thumbs down, and you go, oh, here we go, and then it's like, yeah. you know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You know, because at least a couple times a year that tricks me. And then you click and it's someone's 2K fucking uh, booked fed, fed video game fed. You know, great that's comments. The kind of match always the is. great comments. Do I always go back and scroll the comments where they're just like, fuck you, <laughs> go to hell, screw you. It's, just, you know, it's good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Because the thumbnails like the actual people, you know, and it, or it's like, a clip from the match, is. too. It's like a it's like a screenshot right. from the match. You're like, oh, OK, because sometimes there's yeah. the clip of like the, the match graphic. And those I'm always I'm always weary of. I'm always a little dubious a little about. But then there's yeah. like a screenshot from the match, and I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> that sure looks like it's the match. And then you click, and it's like, come into the ring now <laughs> from <laughs> Pensacola, yeah. Florida, QT. And you're like, God damn it, <laughs> got me again. Fuck yeah, <laughs> you know? fucking horse shit. You know. Um, if it's Fire Pro, I might stay a couple minutes. Yeah, see how it works yeah. out. See what happens. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, are these good edits? They do a nice job here, or are these? Yeah, how, how is this QT edit? How's this QT yeah. edit doing? So, yeah, does he have a real move set here, or is this just some bullshit? So, um, yeah. Anyway, that's uh, Triple Mania. Which yeah. is this going to be a Rich Crate watching it from the um, cubicle special? Which with, Triple uh, Mania? This sh- I will. I'll watch Vikingo and Kenny Omega from the fucking surface of Europa or whatever. How far f- you'll be? So your 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 Triple A. 
self-shunning is still active. You uh, to... I think so. Yeah, I mean, there, there's nothing else on the show. I will watch. I'll watch the final two. If if Roosh shows up, I'll watch that match, and I'll of course watch Vikingo. You can't not watch Vikingo and Omega. You have to watch that match, and I'll of course watch Roosh <laughs> yeah. and LA Park if if Roosh actually shows up, which I think as of this hour he is, but that could obviously change next hour. So I, I as of this recording, he may or may not show up, and we don't know, and nobody knows. I'm not sure if he knows to be honest if he's showing up or not. What did what did what did Cubs write in his preview? Uh, Cubs wrote in his preview the exact line here. He he uh, he was definitely. I think he was cautiously optimistic about Rush's attendance at the show. Uh, cautiously optimistic. <laughs> like, I'll take it. Triple A, man. It's fucking shitbag promotion. So bad, and and he knows it too. You know, what I mean, that's the best part is he's like, eh. Um, okay. Uh, there's still a lot of suspense. Uh, again, at voicewrestling.com, this uh, there's a lot of suspense around the circumstances of this match. Like, is Rush going to show up? <laughs> Rush announced he quit AAA in early June. AAA didn't acknowledge it. Wednesday, Rush announced he would wrestle here after all, out of respect to all the fans who cared about this rivalry. AAA didn't acknowledge that part either. Rush doesn't seem to care much about working for AAA past this show, and LA Park probably isn't sticking around either. They'll both be back in AAA again someday, but. For this Triple Mania day, these two figure to be in full last day of school mode. Anything is possible. Well, okay. So, I'll take it. <laughs> so, so we well, quit AAA, and AAA didn't say anything. Then he said, he'll have come back, screw it, I'll wrestle. And they didn't say anything either. So I don't know. Who knows? Yeah. Well, game time decision for, for Roosh. <laughs> I'm going to be all over this on Saturday. I'm going to tell you what. Voicesofwrestling.com slash fight, by the way. Make sure you order it on there. And if the Reds drop the first two to the Brewers that weekend, I'm going to be grumpy when I'm watching it too, which will make for a much better review come come flagship time. Is our uh, is Bar- our, uh, our boy Larry Dallas doing? Are they doing any English commentary on this one? I have no idea because that changes everything. But uh, yeah, well, <laughs> I don't actually know. I don't know anything about this show. Nobody knows anything about this freaking show. So La- Larry's going through a bad breakup and he's been posting like song lyrics on. Oh uh, yeah, so I okay. Don't, I don't know what's going on with that. Um. Maybe he'll be in a bad Okay, so I think he might actually be doing the commentary because uh, the, the, the latest tweet he has, it seems like he's uh, in better spirits now. Uh, says, quote, I love Hugo, but he sends me information for meetings, then says something like, it's 1 p.m. Mexico time, and there isn't a time zone called Mexico time. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. That's exactly. Perfect. That, 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 that is, that's it. Encapsulates the review. That is, the the, yeah, yeah. that is it. Hugo saying, meet me at 1 p.m. Mexico time <laughs> to, to his English yeah. commentary partner. Perfect. And that's it. And he doesn't know specifics of what Mexico time he's referring to. Just 1 p.m. Mexico time. Meet me there. And who knows what they'll discuss. Perfect. That wraps it up. So yeah. there you go. That, that uh, You know, Larry's also, he probably is doing better because Larry Dallas definitely has the uh, kind of energy where he's the kind of guy who probably woke up one morning. And uh, and and said the following phrase to himself: "The best way to get over somebody is to get under somebody." You know, that's the Larry <laughs> Dallas. Sounds like a Larry Dallas phrase. So yeah, that's definitely a phrase Larry, Larry Dallas has lived by in the past. And maybe maybe that's why he's in better spirits. Maybe he's uh, you know, that that that's the tact he's taken with this rough breakup. But we wish uh, yeah, Larry wish Dallas Larry the, best. the best at getting over his heartbreak. We've all been there. We've all been there. And. Uh, you know, hopefully he's in better spirits for this uh, this Triple Mania commentary, which, by the way, he's very proud of. He loves doing the commentary for Triple Mania. He does a good job. He does I, a know, good job. You, you, 
people listening should be should love anything as much as this man loves doing wrestling commentary. All he wants to do is be part of the biz and do a little commentary. And uh, he's got his little triple A gig. He still stays, you know, arm's length with Dragon Gate. You know, we'll see down the line. But uh, guy loves the wrestling. But how about the Lucha Hour? Opening up, the I flagship. know. Yeah, try again. That? Find me another fucking show that leads off talking about SmackDown and the Bloodline and uses that to seamlessly transition into a thirty-five minute segment about CMLL that uses that to to go into a thirty-minute thing about Triple Mania Tijuana in the first hour of their show. Find me another podcast that's going to do that. Rich, you're really feeling yourself today. I'm just You've saying, been, find me another show that's yeah, going to do that. I mean, they don't. Those shows don't do that. They don't do that. They just talk about the bloodline for two hours. You know, that's what they do. Maybe a little, you know, burying a trip, AEW, but getting mad about Tiger Drivers or something. But, uh, well, you know, did you see what Will beat Leon Slater with? I on did. The yeah. Program? And I, it's we'll, weird. we'll get to that. We'll get, it's we'll weird because you can't find people that were very upset about the, the sanctity of professional wrestling and safety of professional wrestling. Can't find them with a search party this week, even though a big time uh, move got used in, the, in that match. Apparently, the well, most dangerous move in rich. wrestling history got used, and, and pretty much nobody said anything about it. It's strange. Well, nobody watched. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, yes. Yes, with that uh, caveat. But, uh, yeah, no, there you go. That was the Lucha Hour. Yeah, start. Start talking about the bloodline moving to CMLL uh, and AAA. I, I jokingly told people that we were going to start with Lucha on the show. I didn't really think we were. I, thought, I truly thought that was going to be like third hour stuff, but I'm glad. Yeah, kicking it off. Uh, Triple Mania and uh, CMLL. We have, we'll have reviews of uh, Triple Mania uh, as well. There's a big CMLL show this uh, uh, this weekend as well. Uh, tomorrow, actually, the 14th. There's a preview up at VoicesWrestling.com. Atlantis uh, celebrating his 40th anniversary in wrestling, so he'll be there. All right, so let's briefly touch on this. The death of Mike Halleck slash uh, Mantar slash Bruiser Mastino. Uh, tank. Slash, yes, slash Tank. Uh, many uh, uh, different gimmicks that this man wrestled uh, over the years. Most people would probably know him as uh, as Mantar. He passed away. I don't, do you have any details on this man's, uh, he was apparently 55 years old? Uh, yes, 55. So, so he had been battling uh, diabetes for a very long time. And I think uh, uh, apparently, according to Dave Meltzer, hadn't been exactly treating it maybe the best way uh, and just sort of letting it go and, and apparently passing his sleep uh, at age 55. So, Yeah, so he had a career in the 90s where he probably bounced around to more high-profile places than you would think. Obviously, he was in the... Uh, the CWA in uh, in 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 Germany and, and in Europe, where he wrestled with his brother Cannonball Grizzly, which of course he went on to become PN News. A uh, cousin, I believe they were cousins, actually. Cousins, okay. Cousins, so yeah. I knew there was some kind of relation there. Um, but anyway, they they toured uh, the CWA together and um, had to be a hell of a family team. reunion, man. Imagine playing like you know. <clears throat> basketball at the family reunion with those guys it's fucking mantar and pia news yeah. big boys those are big big boys yeah so they worked that promotion for a number of years as bruiser mastino and cannonball grizzly and what's interesting too is one of the big stars there at that time in the early 90s was rambo who of course we come full circle was i believe sniper 
of the Truth Commission? He was, yes. He was one of them. He was one of them. I always forget which one is which, but I think you're right. He was Sniper. I think he was Sniper. Yes. So, you know, and, and, you know, so those guys had a wrestling relationship even before they were both part of Truth Commission five years later or whatever it was in the WW. Was it F? Was it still F? Yeah, it was F, yeah. Yeah. So the Truth Commission, I wanted to ask you this because you're more locked into that era than I was. Yeah, yeah. Was Tank an original member or did he come later? He was, ooh, I forget. I don't think he was an original member. I don't remember him as an original. I thought the original was Jackal, which is Don Callis. Sniper, which was Rambo. Recon, which of course was Bull Buchanan. And Kurgan, who was the interrogator. I think there's a weird thing, too, because they did technically debut in USWA. And I forget who was there in USWA. You know what I mean? Like, so I, I don't know right, if, if you right, want to right. count that uh, thing. I don't, you know, honestly, now that I'm looking at it, I think Tank was an original member. Now that I'm thinking about he it. was original. I think he was okay. original. I, I don't think Jackal was an original member because remember they had another dude that had like a... Commandant. Yes, the Commandant was the original guy and then they got rid of him and then I think that's when they moved him out and put Jackal in, if I remember correctly, if I have my... So I think it was Recon, Kurgan, and Tank, I want to say, were the originals and the Commandant, which was an actor, I think, that Bret Hart... I think he was he was doing something in South Africa. I forget what he was filming, or I, it wasn't Lonesome Dove. I don't know what the hell he was filming in South Africa, and brought this guy back with him. It was like, yeah, we got to give him a job or whatever. So the commandant became the manager, but then I think he was sent away, and then the jackal came in, and then by that point, I think Tank was gone, and then that's when they started throwing in, you know, Sniper and Recon and and all those oh, other okay. guys. But I I thought I thought Recon, Sniper, and the Interrogator, which was Kurgan. I thought those were the original three wrestlers in the group. <sighs> Yeah, I, I I wish I could have my time Truth Commission timeline a little bit better. I I don't recall exactly. I I, yeah. I I I know Kurgan was for sure, and I want to say Recon, and then I don't remember if Tank was one of the original original guys. Let's see. All of the Tank, maybe we could figure this out if we look at the Tank Truth Commission matches. So, and Tank, of course, is is Mike Halleck. Yeah. So. Mantar. He teamed with Recon and the Interrogator twice on Shotgun Saturday night. That doesn't really help us at all. That what is that? June ninety seven. June ninety seven. That's got to be it. Let's let's see if I could if I could pull up all the Truth Commission matches and try to make sense I of it. That way. I think June ninety seven's got to be it because I I remember That's them coming up in yep. like September ninety seven when that was the the Jackal because I only remember watching like the Jackal version of the Truth Commission only later finding out about the Commandant version of the uh, uh, of the Truth Commission so I want to say that may have been the original I it was their very first match the Truth Commission was Recon Tank and Interrogator probably managed by the Commandant yeah you know one of the three jobbers they beat on that shotgun Saturday night was Terry Richards oh Rhino yeah Rhino yep so that's interesting. Then they're fleshing out the act in Memphis, like you said. There's only one listed match. I'm sure there were more. Um, those records aren't complete. Then they have the second six-man, same lineup on uh, the following week's Shotgun Saturday Night. One of the three jobber opponents in that match, Adam O'Brien, better known as Adam Pierce. Oh, that's right. Yeah, right, right, right. Um 
so they debut on Raw. It's Recon, Sniper, and The Interrogator. Here's where, I, Rich, I had it backwards. Tank was in the was an original. They got rid of him for Sniper, which is what you said. So that's what you said, right? So uh, yeah, you, yeah, yeah. So Sniper, so you were right. Tank was original. Sniper came later. So there you go. By the time they got, and a lot of people might not even know of Tank because he never worked Raw. Because by the time they got to, to Raw, Tank was out, Sniper was in. And then from there on, it's all recon, Sniper, with a dash of the interrogator. <laughs> a little, little interrogator thrown in, yeah. <laughs> interrogator cur- by that point, he was doing a lot on- of singles matches at that point. So so he would come out and yeah. do his claw thing of all the music. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It fucking yeah. rocks, man. I loved, man. I loved a good shotgun Saturday night in Kurgan the Interrogator match, man. I loved it. Jackal his red glasses. Yeah. It was good yeah. stuff. Good shit. Yeah. The Truth uh-huh. Commission. Little Jackal too. He got in there. Yeah. Alice got in there. Little Jackal. Yeah, the, the Survivor Series where the where all four of them took on the uh, Disciples of Apocalypse. Yes. Yeah. You know the the uh, Crush and and, uh, and Skull uh, Crush Chains and Eight Ball. Yeah, the the Harris brothers and uh, who's the other guy? Uh, Crush and then Brian Adams. Brian Adams, that's right. Yeah, uh, no, Brian Adams is crushed. Oh, um, sorry, <laughs> what did I say? Uh, Brian, Brian, Brian Lee. Lee, Brian Lee, Brian Lee, Brian Lee. So they even had a pay per view match, and they won it. They won a pay per view match at Survivor <laughs> Series '97. Yeah. Can't can't have Kurgan job. Can't have Kurgan job. See, that Truth Commission pay-per-view victory was slightly overshadowed by the events of the main event of the uh, So, oh, yeah, Survivor Series. Series. Yeah, it, it is lost to history, so, unfortunately, because of uh, uh, the Montreal yes. Screwjob, yes. Because otherwise, we'd probably be talking about Kirk and the Interrogator, you know, giving the claw to Brian Lee to, to win it for, I don't know who he'd be, who cares? But, uh, yeah. are, you, are you still looking at the Truth Commission so, cage match? Because I'll tell you, I saw a live Truth Commission match that, uh, that Friday night's. That Friday night's main event show at the Rosemont Horizon, the lovely Rosemont Horizon. Uh, Recon and Sniper defeating the Headbangers, Mosh and Thrasher. I was there. Oh. It was the about that? main event of that show. I will tell you that. Wow. Now, they, they did. I, I don't. I think they were. I don't know how they were structuring this or why it was. They started with Vader and Bret Hart was like the opener. Yeah. Of this. But I don't. They taped it kind of out of order. But I definitely remember like the last match was that. And like. Whoever I was with, their mom wanted to leave. You know, it was like we have to go. This is ridiculous. We've been and it was a late. This show was going on way late. She's like, we have to go. This is stupid. We must leave this. And we're like, no, we have to stay for the whole show. And then like, yeah, the truth commission comes out. I'm like, we can't leave. We can't leave during the truth commission. And then the headbangers came out. We're like, we can't leave. And then yeah, so we watched the eight minute, uh, you know, truth commission versus headbangers match. So when you're a kid, like more wrestling, you can't pass up wrestling. Are you kidding? You got to watch the whole show. You gotta watch. You can't leave the at the beginning. It's like you can't leave a baseball game. You don't know what's gonna happen. I can't leave Truth Commission headbangers. I don't know what's gonna happen after that. Yeah. No. I. I agree. I. You know. I bought this ticket. I'm staying for the whole show. <laughs> right. No doubt about it. So. Um, it was a comp ticket. Anyway, too, nice, left- nice seats. She worked. Uh, my buddy's mom worked for uh, Stridex. Remember uh, Stridex, the uh, uh, zit oh, medicine oh, yeah. they used to sell on programming all the time. Yeah, we got some good, good comp seats from that guy. Those Stridex pads. You'd wipe your face with that. It would it would sear your cheeks. It would just <laughs> burn burn the top layer of your skin off, and then yeah, no zits. Yeah, it was you couldn't go out in the sun because, because it, you no longer had you know a top top layer of skin. Right. But that's all right. Very effective because it would just burn off the top two layers of fucking skin, <laughs> and 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 the zits would come off with it. It was an awful awful product. 
Um, do they they don't make those anymore? I I I don't think so. Skin burning pads. I mean, they they were they were they were the shits. Um, so anyway, he works Germany for a number of years, and that's uh, WWE takes notice. I guess that uh, you know, PN News caught on a little quicker because he was ninety one when he got the WCW right. So he broke through in the United States before. Um, Bruce yeah, Mastino oh, yeah, yeah. did. Yeah, way, way before. Yeah, several years. So they brought him in. He did some dark matches, and then they gave him the Mantar gimmick, which was like a living—I don't know what do you want to call it—a bowl. A, a, he, was a, uh, he was a Minotaur. Yeah, he came out and Minotaur, I, I watched the yeah. debut again. And uh, Vince McMahon's like, "What is that?" <laughs> it's like he comes <laughs> yeah. out. Like, you booked him, man. I don't know. You tell me. And it's like. The best part is he's like, who is that? What is that? And he, you know, he comes out, and Jerry Lawler's like, it's yeah. not, he's a Minotaur. Vince, <laughs> like, you know what I mean? McMahon, he's a Minotaur. And then, like, a minute into the match, Vince McMahon goes, uh, Minotaur, adding his name to the Royal Rumble. I'm like, you didn't know who he was a minute ago. But apparently he's in the Royal Rumble. What are we doing here? What, you know, what's, what's going on? But, uh, yeah, it was it was ridiculous, so. Wasn't he managed by Jim Cornette? Yes. Then well. at one point they put Cornette yes. with him because they clearly wanted this thing to work. So when he originally came out, I don't think he was yeah. with Cornette. And then they put him with Cornette. And oh, my God, you've never seen a guy try harder to get a guy over. And just, yeah, it's not going to happen, Cornette. It's just, you know, the guy. And and they got he was less goofy as time went on. Like, because he first came out, he had the bull head on. And it was just oh, absolutely absurd. It was just so stupid. Yeah, the bull head. And he would do the thing with his foot. Like, right. Go, digging it into the ground. Yeah, like the, he'd, yeah, yeah, yeah. he'd snarl. And then he'd charge at yeah. guys or whatever. And then a little bit. Then once Cornette got to him, they kind of just painted like, you know, put face paint on him or whatever and try to make him into like, no, no, no. He's not actually half bull, half man. He's just a strong man. But at that point, it was already over. And then he also wasn't great he was big but he wasn't he wasn't a great worker so it just yeah it did not work you know the thing about him is you know he never started he didn't start losing on tv until really late in the run though like oh they wanted him to be a thing yeah no they definitely thought he was going to be a big deal yeah i mean he was getting beat on house shows though like if you look at his match record you know duke the dumpster josie was beating him in prelims like a drum like basically every night so he was losing on the house shows, but he was still getting pushed on TV and he would only lose to the top guys. Like he lost to Bret Hart. He lost to Bam Bam Bigelow. He lost to Razor Ramon. He lost in the King of the Ring qualifying to Bob Holly, but he was still winning squash matches on TV right up until the end. And a lot of times with guys like that, they start being on the other end of the squash matches and they start being used as jobbers to the stars. And he never really, did that you know right up until the the very end of the run so you're right i feel like vince may have been holding out hope that he could do something with him but it was it was just you know even in even in real time you just got the sense that it was never going to happen and then he of course he had the the little run with ecw at the end of 1995 where he did work one ecw arena show uh against hack myers and really he was just brought in this is when during the period where they were bringing in guys who had been on WWF TV and and, and for nine one one to choke slam, so he was one of those guys that they brought in for nine one one to just um because uh, I think there's that there's footage of nine one one choke slamming him from one of the events or whatever. But um, he did work one ECW arena show and I think he did work um one of the New York City one of the big New York City shows too. And it just, you know, he did maybe one run of shows and and Heyman never brought him back 
So um, uh, he it looks like he did. Now that I pull it up, he did two little swings. He did one swing in early December, and then Heyman brought him back at the end of December after Christmas, and he did a uh, a swing to Glen Old in Pennsylvania show, which was a regular stop for them. That was the nine one one match I'm talking about. They definitely filmed that because I have a memory burned in my head of nine one one choke slamming him. And then um, he did the Lost Battalion Hall in New York um, the next night, and he won. He won a squash against El Porto Riqueño, but they never brought him back. After that, he went back to Germany for a while, and Cannonball Grizzly was back too because that was years after WCW oh, gave God, up on yes. PM News. Yeah, way, way past. So, I think PM was done by 92, 93 for sure. Yeah, and other than that, the crew had turned over a little. Um, Ulf Herman ice train or some of the names. <laughs> yeah, a lot of ice train, a lot of ice train. Now, now, Ulf Herman is a guy, he he had, you know, he later on, he went to ECW. Remember, he was uh, Herman the German, and um, he was he was part of the FBI from, you know, uh, hailing from, uh, where did they bill him from? Um, from 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 Berlin, Italy, or something like that? I think it was like Berlin, that. Italy, or something like that. Yeah, I want to say Berlin, yeah. Italy, or, or yeah, I, I think that was it. Yeah, as one of the ridiculous members of, of the full-blooded Italians, um, but yeah, so he went back and uh, and worked, you know, Tony St. Clair, people like that back in uh, Germany. And then that really was the end of his major league career. You know, from there. Did, did a shot as Goldust Bodyguard for I forget when that exactly was, maybe 96 or 97 or like a, a couple of shows, a couple yeah. of show shot as as again, they kept trying to give this guy shots. Like they kept kind of thinking there was something there. But yeah, it just not, it never worked out in WWE. Never worked out. And then, you know, he settled back near his hometown in Omaha, Nebraska, and We've joked about it before on this show because he's come up at times. He's a legitimate member of the Omaha wrestle, Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame, you know, and he was uh, a guy on, on you know, who was uh, prominent in on the Nebraska-Iowa indie circuit uh, for a number of those years. And um, I do have one amusing Mantar story that I can tell from WrestleMania weekend in New York. I may have told the story before. I'm going to tell it again. So, um we're we're in the ho- the WrestleCon hotel, and I'm pretty sure this was New York. And Mantar walks by, and there's a kid with a backpack. And I say kid; he was probably you know late teens, early twenties. I was here. I was here for this, by the way. So, and he goes, uh, "You were there? It was yeah, you? Oh yeah, yeah. I thought yeah, it was, was maybe yeah. uh, okay." So the kid's like Mantar, Mantar, and uh, and he stops. And he goes in his backpack, and this is an autograph collector. So he's got he's he's flipping through his eight by ten. Yeah, he's and, got and he, he knows gets, he's got a Mantar eight by ten somewhere. He's just got to find it. Yeah. So he gets to it, and um, and the kid was like, uh, "Well, how much?" Because he knows he's not going to get it for free. Because Mantar is obviously at WrestleCon selling these things, but he wants to cut him a deal in the hallway. And I I I don't remember the exact dollar figures, but the point of the story will come through. So Mantar is like uh, twenty bucks. And the kid's like, ah, I don't know. I don't know. He starts packing up. <laughs> he puts the iPad <laughs> back in the back in the backpack. Starts slowly zipping it up. And uh, like, see, I already ruined the story. First, the kid was like, "I'll give you, I'll give you twenty bucks." And then Mantar was like, "No, I want forty. That's what it was." Yes, yes. So Mantar is like, "No, no, no. I'm only doing it for forty. And then the kid started packing up his stuff. He's like, "Ah, you know, I don't know. I, it's a little too rich for my blood." You know, so he's putting his shit away. 
And I don't think the kid was like negotiating or doing a, a gimmick. No, the kid I was ready to leave. Was he like, was just like, ah, all right, that's too much. I'll leave then. Yeah. He legitimately thought that was too much. For yeah, I'll let you go on with your day, so sir. Thank you for the moment. You know, take care. Have a great one. Yeah. It wasn't a negotiation. It wasn't a negotiation tactic. So then Mantar's like, all right, I'll, I'll do it for 35. And the kid's like, nah, he's still packing up his stuff. <laughs> he's like, all right, how about 30? And the kid's like, nah, he's like, all right, I'll do it for the 20. And the kid's like, nah, you know what? I, I'm not, you know, I'm I already over put it away. You know, yeah. Yeah, I don't want to bother yeah, you. Then this kid yeah, felt bad. Stuff. He was like, no, no, it's, I remember this. The kid was like, no, it's okay. It's okay. Right? Like, I don't want to bother you. Like, have a good day. Take care. You know, <laughs> see you yeah. later. Like, like, he was ashamed. Sure like, he was wasting his time here. Yeah. So he's like, you sure I'll do it for the 20. And now Mantar is following the kid down the hallway. <laughs> yeah. And, 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 <laughs> you know, and, and, and then he's finally like, I'll do it for 15. <laughs> I'll do it for 10. And then the, the, the final resolution was the kid finally agreed to the $10, which was $10 less than the kid offered to begin with and $30 less than Mantar countered with. So he ended up uh, accepting the $10 and the kid got his autograph for 10 bucks. <laughs> Mantar autograph. And <laughs> that is my Mantar story. And no, I that was, it was you, me, and Rob Stryker I, watching this all happen yeah. in real time. It just, just. <laughs> blown away so, by the transaction that occurred yeah. yeah the guy cost himself ten dollars by trying to be a savvy negotiator and uh <laughs> the sheer desperation and then finally doing the autograph for 10 bucks but um yeah, I don't know. You got anything else on uh, Mike Halleck? Uh, uh, I Mantar? don't. Uh, I did. I did uh, send a DM to our friend uh, Hype Gotti, a uh, a fellow yeah. Nebraska uh, wrestling legend, and and said we should have had you on the show this week, but uh, let's try to link up sometime in the next week to talk about Mantar. And he says, "I was hoping somebody would ask, so we'll try to." Because uh, <laughs> that man's got Mantar stories, baby. Let me tell you, he will have Mantar stories that make that last story we told sound like nothing you've ever heard. You're just, he's got incredible Mantar stories. Yeah, so so, so we'll try uh, to link up with I've got at some point in the next uh, week or so to to, to do more Mantar yeah. stories. So. Yes. Because there's no nobody on the earth is more prepared for Mantar stories than Hype Gotti, so <laughs> I cannot no, wait. Are, yeah, I can't. I cannot even oversell these. These are just <laughs> no, they are great, and I only know a few of them. I'm sure he's got even more, stories. even more. So uh, <laughs> I'll just tell you, Hype Gotti on his uh, his Twitter account put here. There's one that I think we're, we'll, we'll we'll want to talk about for sure. Uh, and then another one, he says, uh, uh, Mantar was unintentionally part of probably two of the three funniest stories of my entire life. I always laugh at the thought of him. Yada yada. I, I won't. That one we'll talk about later. The other one is fighting con artiste in the parking lot of a sand volleyball court on a railroad track with a nightstick. Yes, yes. The uh, <laughs> and the other story, which was crashing his first date. With yes, the, with the always laugh at the thought of him crashing a first date I was on and fighting con artiste in the parking lot of a sand volleyball court on a railroad track with a nightstick. Just imagine being on a first date with a lady you're trying to impress. And Mantar crashes the date and sits down at your dinner table with with you and the uh, and the young lady. That's uh, it's a real thing that happens to yes. that man. Yep. So, uh, and he's got he's got more of them, believe me. But uh, anyway, that was uh, Mike Halleck, aka Mantar. Rest in peace, dead at fifty five. Uh, Rich, I believe you have a special offer for the listeners. I do, I do, I do. So let's talk about it here. It is from our friends at BetStamp who are helping sponsor this week's show. Bet, uh, sports betting, of course, has rapidly risen in popularity, and we want to connect you all with an opportunity to get started and get ahead, most importantly, get ahead. Having multiple sportsbooks accounts is the most simple way to maximize your profits, and there has never been 
a better time to sign up. When you visit our page, betstamp.app slash VOW. That's B-E-T-S-T-A-M-P dot A-P-P slash VOW. You'll be connected to all of the sportsbook in, uh, sportsbooks in your region along with a review of each platform as well as its unique benefits. All of these sportsbooks have many, many valuable sign-up offers for new users, uh, discounts, promo codes, all those sort of things. And when you register through our link, betstamp.app slash VOW, you will automatically receive the top offer at each of those sportsbooks. So when you use multiple sportsbooks as well, we talked about this, you ensure that you always get access to the best available odds, which is the key to successful sports betting. You don't you don't need to be beholden to any one sportsbook. You want the best odds. You are going to bet on whatever you're going to bet on. Get the best odds for it. Make the most money. That's what you can do by signing up to multiple sportsbooks and seeing all the different odds and bet stamp allows you to do that. So of course, if you want to take advantage of these benefits and support the Voice of Wrestling podcast network as well as the flagship podcast, please consider signing up for your next sportsbook at betstamp.app slash VOW. Again, it's B-E-T-S-T-A-M-P dot A-P-P slash V-O-W, betstamp.app slash V-O-W. And we, of course, thank them for sponsoring this week's show. All right. Uh, Let's get into the world of AEW, Joe. There was a news report here from Sean Ross Sapp on Fightful Select that WBD sources confirmed they proposed, quote, significantly expanding AEW's pay-per-view schedule with the, quote, very likely possibility that AEW will expand to 12 pay-per-views a year or basically one per month. What uh, was also discussed in that as well was, you know, what what would be the outlet for this? Would it be HBO Max? Would it be on pay-per-view? All that sort of stuff. None of that was exactly confirmed or, or really, you know, I, I don't know that was strongly hinted one way or another. We can strongly hint that if we want right here. But all that was sort of reported by the, the Fightful Select report was that, you know, WBD sources confirmed they proposed to AEW significantly expanding their pay-per-view schedule and the very likely possibility that they could expand to 12 for a year or at least one per month. So, Joe, what do you make of that initial news before we break down some of the pros, the cons, and, uh, you know, what 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 this might mean for, for AEW business? Well, I mean, I, I heard about this on either Monday or Tuesday night. I can't remember which. And um, I was in the process of asking around, and then Sean put his story out. Um, I don't have anything to add. I just wanted to to let people know that I heard about this too. I was uh, that 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 I'm just I'm peacocking, Rich, <laughs> is what I'm doing. Um, no, but um, yeah, no. My read on this and is that if Warner Brothers Discovery is are the ones asking for this, then obviously they want a taste, and and these are more than likely going to be pay per view events that. Um, would air on some on their service of or, or their services of or they're, they're going to be involved in some way. Um, I, I don't think that these would just be like the five pay per views we have currently. Call your local cable system in order. I feel like Warner Brothers Discovery and we talked about at the top asking for more content, and you know they see this as a hot property that they have here. And uh, and and this is another content ask out of them. And I would think that these additional shows 
would air somewhere other than just traditional pay-per-view. And I, I also think this probably has something to do with why we haven't heard anything about All In yet and how that's going to be distributed. Right. And I, I've, seen people, I've seen people reference that if you look at the poster, it doesn't say anything about pay-per-view. It doesn't say live on pay-per-view. All Out, I believe. Uh, the posters for that don't. And, and again, I don't know if all the other pay-per-view posters that were released you know, months prior had that either. But it was something that was, you know, with all the, like you said, the fact that All In is happening in, you know, a month and we still have no idea where it's going to be and if it's going to be on pay-per-view. The fact that they haven't squashed that, you know, speculation leads you to believe that there's probably some smoke to that fire. Yeah, I mean, well, Tony Khan did say during one of his press deals, I forget which one. He assured everybody. He's like, look, there's going to be a way for everybody to watch the show. I just can't get into it yet. So um, you have to think that that's somehow tied into this. So, you know, you do have you do have Max right there. And, you know, and and this is a with the merger and the new rebranding of HBO Max to Max. And we all know how these streamers operate. They're always looking for content to draw people in. The dots are there to connect. The dots are there to connect. And you know, by adding collision, and they're obviously going to get coaxed into this. And the, you know, AEW is going to want to be compensated for providing this this content. So and we tried to tell people years ago, AEW eventually is going to be playing the same content game that WWE plays, because that's how these wrestling promotions on a big time level make their money now. So when USA Network wants a third hour of Raw and it means getting X amount of percentage higher, you know, rates on your what you on the television deal, you give them a fucking third hour of yeah. Raw. When Warner Brothers Discovery asks for a two hour show on Saturday nights and when they ask you to run pay-per-view events exclusive to their streaming service or however these things are going to work and they're backing up a truckload of money for you to do so, you do it. And you know, there's pluses, there's <coughs> positives and negatives to running the monthly big shows. I think some people will welcome it as it might tighten up the booking a bit and give it more focus. And you won't see stories stretched out over the course of three, four months, which is kind of a booking weakness in AEW at times where they don't know how to fill the time with some of these uh, stories. And the flip side of that is you're rushing through things because each month is a new pay-per-view cycle. And you, you you can't necessarily allow certain stories to breathe because you've got to fill all of these major shows every four weeks. And that can, as we've seen with WWE, sometimes be a major negative. So it'll be interesting to see. And look, if this is being discussed and negotiated, I think it's going to happen. So we could just work off the premise that we're going to be moving to 12 pay-per-views a year or 12 major shows a year, whatever you want to call them with this company and then let the discussion begin as far as, as far as, you know, what that means for the week to week shows and, um, and what that, what that's going to mean for the booking and, and, and all of those things, it's going to be an adjustment. It's going to be adjustment for Tony Khan and the people right now that he has in his creative who are putting the shows together. And, um, you know, it's, I, I will reserve judgment until I see how they handle these things. Maybe, Tony has kind of been hesitant to do lots of rematches in his company, but when you have to do pay-per-views every four weeks, maybe we start seeing more major stars trading wins over the course of three pay-per-views mm -hmm, with, mm -hmm. you know, one guy and then, and then you do a blow off on the third one or, 
you do a tag to set up a singles match in the next pay-per-view and those sorts of things, which haven't really been part of Tony Khan's booking rhythms in the first four years. He has done rematches, but not nearly at the level that WWE will. WWE does tons of rematches, always has. But maybe this is something that will change that uh, mindset and uh, that he has regarding, you know, doing matches over and over again. So it's things like that that you have to consider. Will it mean more title changes? That, more that, frequent title changes? I, I wrote that down as probably the biggest thing is that they've been able to very, 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 very much limit big-time title changes, especially with the world title. Obviously, there's only been a couple people that have had the world title, and they've had pretty significant reigns, you know, other, other than the CM Punk, you know, you know, injury issue going to Moxley. That, that's, a, that's about the only time that it really got bounced around. Otherwise, it's been guys with very, very significant, very long runs, and we're seeing that with a guy like an Orange Cassidy. We're seeing it at, at, at a lot of titles in that company. Are, are, are won and held for a very long amount of time. That might change now. If you're doing a weekly or a, a monthly pay-per-view, I should say, that might 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 make you want to do that a little bit more instead of saying, oh, you know what? Because it's going to be the, do you really want like the world champion to win at nine straight pay-per-views or whatever? Because that's not out of, you know, that wouldn't be out of character for uh, an AEW world champion to win at, you know, two straight pay-per-views or whatever. And that's, if they're doing them quarterly or whatever, okay, that's not bad. You know I mean? That's not insane. But the fact that now you're going to be, that will be stretched out over to like, you know, five, six, seven, eight pay-per-views. It's a lot of pay-per-views now that this guy is walking out on top uh, you know, winning in your main event and holding the title that 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 does change a lot. So I do think that if if you know if this does come to fruition, which it most likely will, I do think you probably see more title changes because there just will be that natural incl- inclination to do that and not just have the same guy win to f- you know end every single month. It, it it's the same time period, but just the optics of ending every single pay per view with you know insert you know world champion whoever that may be winning the title and holding the title above his head every single time might get a little old to people if it's done you know six seven eight nine times in a row. Yeah, I mean, yeah, everything you just said. I mean, it totally changes the dynamic of everything. Uh, and, and Another thing it changes pace. too, you know, not to not to interrupt there. Uh, the the TV specials. Now we they have been able to kind of fill that gap out of, and we talked about it from the from day one with AEW is that yes, they don't have you know pay per views every single month or eight a year or whatever. They're doing their four or five a year or whatever. But what they're able to do is sometimes in between that when it feels right give you a big time title match, give you a hangman versus Danielson on TV for free, call it something, you know, winter is coming or, 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 or branded as something special, but give you essentially a pay-per-view level match, not always a pay-per-view level show. Sometimes they, they are very, very good shows, but at the very least a pay-per-view level match, a big time match between two main eventers to pop a week there to, you know, find a pretty strategic week to put that in. You're going to, you know, you're going to kind of lose that, which might in turn not pop as many of your, you know, TV ratings, but again, it's the same company, and that's where if it's WBD, you trade that in. If it's if it's Warner saying, "Look, yeah, we're 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 going to sacrifice, you know, five or six different television shows that do really good ratings because now you're going to put all your stuff on Max, and we're going to you know get X amount of new subscribers, or we're going to do the ESPN Plus UFC model where yeah, you subscribe to Max, but if you pay you know eight dollars right, extra right. or ten dollars extra, or whatever, you get an AEW pay per view. Which I, I would be interested to see if they do that versus. The, the original Peacock model or, or the WWE Network model of, okay, pay us X, then you're just going to get all these things for free. I, I don't, I don't, I, I would guess that they're probably trying to figure out a model where you pay a little bit because UFC and ESPN Plus figured out the model. Everybody laughed at it when it happened. People saying, oh my God, we're just going to subscribe to ESPN Plus and then pay to watch these UFC shows. Forget it. 
And then people did it, and they made a shit ton of money doing it. And that, that became the new model. And then WWE looked like idiots because their model was, oh, shit, well, you're just going to get everything for free with us. Sorry. Whoops. And UFC just basically showed them, no, 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 you make people pay for this shit. Like, these are still important shows. Make people pay for it. So um, I, I would assume that they would look at that and say, okay, that's probably a better model for us than simply just giving these away for free. But it, the ball's in Warner Brothers' court. If they're like, hey, look, we need subscribers. We want this max thing to happen. Here's a boatload of money. Give us, you know, one major show every single month. You're AEW, of course. You're going to say, sure, we'll do it. Why wouldn't you? I, I I could be wrong about this. I feel like they've scaled back on the named television shows. It does feel like they've done less. I, I feel of like them. they don't do them as often as they used to because that was a frequent tactic they would use to pop a number. Where, like you said, they would do a winter is coming or you know whatever, and then kind of load it up. But at the same time, those weren't pay per view quality lineups. No, there they was a pay per view quality match. The, there was a pay per view quality match usually, yeah. but not 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 ever the whole show. The, the rest of the show was just a normal slightly. Dynamite. It was it was a better show than a typical dynamite, but they weren't they were beneath the pay per view standard when they when they do those. Um, you know, in fact, I have they done one since winter is coming. I don't think they have. I mean, um, oh, they did championship fight night, which I'm seeing. New year, no, they did winter. Uh, okay. This year, 2023, okay, the end of 2022, they did it twice. They did Holiday Bash. They did New Year's Smash. They did Winter is Coming. They did three last December. Winter is Coming, Holiday Bash, and New Year's Smash. Before that, they did a uh, Thanksgiving-themed show in November. They did So they definitely did them more frequent. They did Title Tuesday in October. You know, they basically averaged more than one a month because they did three in December. If you look at 2023... Okay. They did championship fight night in February and that's it. They've really cut back. I guess I should compare February to February, but the back end of 2022, they were doing these like at least once a month, sometimes more this year. They've only done one. They've done some named rampages. So, you know, maybe they've moved that strategy, the rampage, um, you know, just looking further on 2022, anniversary show in October, mm-hmm. Grand Slam in September. Um, before that, Quake by the Lake in August. Before that, Fight for the Fallen in July, Fighter Fest in July, Fighter Fest night one and night two in, in, in July. In fact, they did two Fighter Fest, Blood and Guts in June, Road Rager in, in June. So yeah, they, they've they've certainly cut back, at least early this year. Wild card Wednesday, like forget about some of these. But at the same time, when I go back to February and March, well, they didn't do too many early in the year. They did St. Patrick's Day Slam in March. They did Slam Dunk in February. They did Beach Break in in January. Okay, so it's true they are undoubtedly doing less of those this year they were doing them one a month in the winter they were pounding them in the summer one a month in the fall and then pounding them again in the winter last yeah. year okay that makes sense that, that's year, that's how i remember it a little bit so i'm glad we put we actually figured that out this year we've had one all year and then we're gonna have blood and guts next week so um and you know they've done and they've done them for rampage oddly enough championship friday the saint patrick's day slam was a rampage and not a dynamite so they have undoubtedly scaled back on the named television shows. So could that also be part of the plan? 
to just sort of take some of that IP and turn those into whatever these specials are going to be. Someone in the chat suggested that there's a prevailing idea that the Peacock deal has, has been what's helped WWE grow. I've heard that theory too. I just don't agree with it. I, I, I don't think Peacock has is the primary driver of WWE growing. I think the bloodline angle uh, being hot is the primary driver of WWE growing. And I think that has very little to do with Peacock. I do not buy the idea that random people who have Peacock uh, are going over to the WWE tab out of curiosity, throwing on a pay-per-view and being just hypnotized by this amazing W. I think people still laugh at WWE people who aren't fans. And I, I don't think Peacock is, is helping them grow. I really don't. I, I, I not in significant numbers. No, it, it probably, if, if anything, it helps them. If, if there's enough buzz around something being good, it probably helps the fact that people can watch it more easily. And instead of the, Hey, there's a really good thing going on. Oh, you got to pay $60 to watch it. Ah, forget it. I don't care. But it needs that initial buzz, like you said. It needs that initial, you know, you got to start the fire somehow. And I think that's what you're saying. The stuff, I, I think Peacock's made the delivery of it a little bit easier, but I don't know that it's it's necessarily yeah, been the are reason why. People that are already wrestling fans, right? Like I, I, I don't think Peacock is turning. You don't think you're like King of Queens fan is like, aha! You know what I'm going to do tonight? I'm going to watch WWE Great Balls of Fire. You know, let's see what this is. And I, I think, I think if they do, they're not sticking with it. They, they think right. it's trash. You know, because if you're a non-fan, it's really bad. I mean, you're, it's, a, it's a world you can't possibly understand. Right. I, I uh, also saw someone in the chat room because I said that WWE look like idiots for the, uh, the, the, the network model. And someone said WWE looks like idiots by getting $200 million a year and tons of exposure on Peacock. No. The WWE network model, they look like idiots because they said $9.99 is the price and you get everything for free. And that was dumb because they destroyed their pay-per-view business. Instantly, right. and nobody subscribed to the network, and not enough people subscribed to the network. So what they did is, because it was so very clearly a disaster, all the people that were in charge of the W network got fired, and they took a giant bag of money from NBC and Peacock. So no, right to get their money back. <laughs> yes, they lost on pay per view all those years. Yes, whereas yeah. UFC and WWE and ESPN Plus at the very same time was saying, yeah, we're going to put our stuff on ESPN Plus, but no, we're not giving it for free. You're not just going to subscribe to ESPN Plus and get all of our premium shows. No, you're going to subscribe for X amount of money, but then you're going to pay us also an additional amount of money, and we're going to do that. And they made money hand over fist and 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 clearly showed that the model that WWE had chosen of flat rate, get everything for you know for free, it was not a good idea. And instead, the model was was the other way. Whereas on Peacock now, yeah, that's still the model, but that they they got out of that business. That that's NBC's problem now. They got a giant yeah, bag of money he, from NBC and said, "We'll we'll produce the shows. It's up to you guys to figure out the rest." The end. Right. Peacock was a cash in. It was it was a cash out rather cash to out, get out yeah. of the streaming business. They, you know, uh, Nick Khan has publicly said that. He said, you know, I looked at this when I came in and I said, "Why are we running a streaming service and trying to crawl uphill in the in in the fucking snow and ice?" Just sell this shit to somebody and let them worry about it because this didn't work. You know, WWE Network was a failure. I don't know who needs to hear that, but that that did not work out. That was a net negative. Also, they Peacock, uh, not exactly making money hand over fist either. So I don't know if that model is exactly the way to go either. I, I'll, I'll just say that, you know, for WWE standpoint, it's fine because they got a boatload of money. Yeah. And and like you said, the, the, the whether it be the exposure or just the ease of access for people to watch. It's it's but yeah for for actual NBC Universal's Ledger and, and stuff that well, yeah. every streaming service seems to be a, a massive uh, unmitigated failure so cool yeah, cool, cool thing yeah, we started it's here a, it's a mess it's a mess but they're all <laughs> looking for content and they're going to be looking for content for Max yep 
and this is what's going to be. And I think you're going to need more big matches now because, you know, you can't cannibalize your TV rate like you talked about. You know, you can go in a room and tell WBD, hey, look, we can give you these 12 pay-per-views and put our big matches on them, but this is going to cannibalize our TV. And they can answer back to you, hey, that's not our problem. You still have to deliver ratings too. You know what I mean? It's it's not... Yeah, well, tough shit. <laughs> Sucks yeah, to suck. Yeah, that's your, we're giving you a, a, a fucking X amount. We're giving you a billion dollars. You need to figure out how to make these shows that we want you to do desirable and continue giving us our ratings. You know, so it doesn't work like that where you can go in a room and say, all right, well, I'm going to, we're going to move all our big matches to these shows. It's going to hurt our TV. They don't want to hear that. They just want results. So um, now it's, it's the kind of deal where adding these shows, you might have to figure out a way to create more big matches. Because as we said, these named shows, they weren't pay-per-view quality up and down the card. It was one big main event, like you said earlier. And maybe one or two other decent supporting matches. But for a pay-per-view quality card, you need eight matches. You need eight quality matches. And six of them need to be big-time matches. You know, they don't all need to be big-time matches. Right, which but, I think is a big change. I mean, it was it was really easy to say, hey, change. winter is coming. We're going to get, you know, Danielson and Hangman or whatever. Rest of the show, yeah, there might be some good stuff on the rest of the show. But all your, the thing we're going to put on the poster, or Blood and Guts this upcoming week. Well, we'll talk. Yeah. There's Blood and Guts. Like, that's that's the big match. I mean, there's the, you know, obviously the Adam Cole MJF thing and, and, and the Blind Eliminator Tag Tournament or whatever. That's happening, too. But that's two matches. So you have two matches essentially booked for Blood and Guts this week. But the 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 whole... It's the blood and guts is, is 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 what it is. But this is that's not a pay per view. That's two matches. You can't have a pay per view that's got one big match, one semi big match, and then say ah whatever with the rest of the show. Like you can do with the dynamite. So that that it does change the game a little bit. Uh, if, if you're gonna, especially if you want people to pay additional money, let's assume that that is the case. You know, if you want people to pay whatever, whether it be ten dollars to thirty dollars or whatever additional. You got to deliver, you know, a full pay per view card every single month, and that that is that is a challenge. It it, it absolutely is. Yeah. Or yeah, if, even yeah. if it's not a challenge, it's, it's different. They just haven't done that yet. It's just something new, whether it's not a challenge or not. I don't think it's that easy to do, but it will be an interesting, like you said, it, it's, it changes how they've operated over their four years. It, it completely changes the booking patterns, the beats, all that sort of stuff, because you've got to be ready to give a pay-per-view quality, a, 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 a paid show quality every single month, and that's, that's different. Here's the last one they did for Dynamite, Championship Fight Night. Here's what was on the card. You tell me if you think this is a pay-per-view quality card or just a really strong TV card, okay? Uh, the Guns versus the Acclaimed was your uh, television main event, but not... Well, I guess maybe the... I, I don't know. Let me tell you the rest of the card. Um, the Elite versus AR Fox and Top Flight for the trios titles. Brian Danielson versus Roosh. The Ricky Starks runs the Jericho Appreciation Society gauntlet. Jamie Hayter versus The Bunny, and MJF versus Takeshita. Yeah, no, that, that's that's a good television show. It's a nice TV show. You put that on pay per view. You, that that's a bold move. That's not a pay per view quality card. And you know, I know some of them have been a little stronger than that. You know, like there's been, you know, Winter is Coming with Hangman and Danielson, right? Uh, you know, and things like that. But that's just to give you an idea of what some of these named shows look like um you know you can't throw that on pay-per-view here you go uh here's here's another one new year's smash brian danielson versus ethan page castagnoli and moxley versus top flight hook and a squash uh the elite 
and Death Triangle in the best of seven. TJAS versus Ruby Soho and Willow. <laughs> and Samoa Joe versus the Wardlock. Uh, I don't even know if that's so a good again, television show, to be honest. <laughs> again, that's not even a special TV show. Yeah. <laughs> it's like this idea that you could just take these named television events and slap them on pay-per-view. No, not with the quality that the look, you've got to increase the quality of these shows. So it's like we're saying now there's legitimate pressure to create more money matches, you know, which should be obvious when you're adding pay-per-views, but it's just not a matter of converting these name television. No, shows. no, no. It'll, it'll be a little different than that. And, and like you said too, what, what, what they could, you know, you've been pretty critical of that for a while that Tony's sat on a lot of big time matchups and kind of kicked the can down the road to kind of say, ah, no, we'll wait, we'll wait, we'll wait, we'll wait. Well, you know, now it might not be worth it to wait. <laughs> There's really no reason to wait. Like, you know, Go, you know, book that match. If you, if you got the the match, book it. Do rematches, you know, get a little bit higher level. I mean, it, it is, it will completely transform this company in, in, in all ways. I mean, it just, it absolutely will. And, and anybody who doesn't think it will, you know, then that's not, if, if it doesn't transform the company, then that's a, then they're going to, you know, it's not going to go well. <laughs> I'll say like, you know, it, ha- it has to transform the company. It has to transform what they book, how they book, the beats of how they book, the speed with what they book with. Uh, just yeah, it, it it changes everything. It's a complete game changer for the company, and and ideally comes with a giant bag of money uh, as well, and that and that changes the company as well. But um, no, it's it's I'm I'm fascinated. I'm I'm fascinated. You know, if and when it does happen, uh, how the booking patterns do change, and 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 sort of how they operate. You know, with so much extra television as well, and I think that's one of the crazy things about AEW right now is just like, man, Warner Brother can't stop giving them television, but. You're talking about 12 pay-per-views a year, a two-hour dynamite, collision, rampage, battle of the belt specials, if you're still going to do those. I mean, tangentially Ring of Honor, which you know I think the report also brought up Ring of Honor, and WBD wants nothing to do with Ring of Honor. Every time that it's brought up, it's like, no, we, we're good. Thank you, though. They keep trying. Say, hey, we got this Ring of Honor thing. If you got it, no, we're good. Okay, all right. If you do, we got it. No, we're, we're good. We're good. They um, we'll do one more just for the exercise. Winter is coming. Last winter is coming. MJF versus Ricky Starks. That was good. That was a good. Death, match. Tri- Death Triangle versus Elite in part of the best of seven. Uh, we're we're about to go off a cliff here, Rich. Uh-oh, I uh, this. Jack Perry versus Brian Cage. Yeah. In singles action, um, House of Black versus The Factory. Hmm. That was a twenty-six second match, by the way. <laughs> um. Chris Jericho versus Action Andretti. This was the big upset, so it was Andretti wasn't anything yet. So it was just Chris Jericho versus Jobber. And Ruby Soho versus Ty Mello. Mm. That was your winter is coming. Rich, I've now convinced myself that these named TV shows are like worse than the regular TV shows. <laughs> they always have the one good these match, are, though. No, they're these good. These are brutal. No, they're usually pretty good. We do special. We do Instagram Lives for almost all of them, and they're always really good shows. They're really fun. Yes. When did we ever do an instant reaction live for one of these? Are you kidding? <laughs> we, did, we definitely did one for Winter is Coming. I'm positive of it. We did? Yes. Maybe you're right. Uh, no, I'm um, not maybe. <laughs> no, I'm absolutely right. For this one that I just read? Yes. What, what, what was the main event of that one? MJF versus Ricky Starks. No, maybe we didn't do that one. I don't think we did it. I think I did a, a regular Dynamite review for this with Andretti and Chris Jericho. In fact, I know I did. Okay, maybe we didn't do that one. Um, we did. Well, we did the winters coming for no. Hold on. How many winters is coming? Do they have? 
Well, this was the last. I just went in order and read you. Oh, the last I see. Three okay, we did the one in 2021. Sorry, we did the one in 2021. It's probably Danielson Hangman. Yeah, that was Danielson Hangman. Okay, got it. Yes. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So you try to make these shows pay per views. You're you're, uh, you're gonna take a beating. Yeah, not not gonna go uh, great. That'd be the real test to see if 120 really is the floor. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> those, would, those would certainly test it. But uh, there you go. So that, I mean, that, you could yeah. do. Here's okay. the thing: you could do blood and guts or grand slam as pay per views. Yes. But again, you have to load up the undercards because it's a pay per view. That's the thing. Like you, like blood and guts sells the, a TV show by itself. Right. Blood, blood and guts you might be able to play with a little bit because you can just have that match go an hour and then you only need a couple more right. matches on the undercard to, to really fill that out. That that that's a little bit of a cheat code. Blood and guts will be easy to move. Yeah. And at least in my memory the Grand Slam lineups are close to pay-per-view caliber. You know what? Let's pull one up. Pull one up, yeah. Because I feel like in let's my do, mind... Let's do Danielson Omega. Go go to that one. Go Danielson Omega. Was that 2022? Uh, 2021. That was 2021. All right. Um, all right, here we go. September. There we go. Okay. Uh, 2021 Grand Slam. Danielson Omega, that's a pay-per-view main event in any building in yeah, the country. Yeah, of course. MJF versus Brian Pillman Jr. Malachi Black versus Cody Rhodes. That's a pay-per-view match. Yeah, for sure. Darby Allen and Sting versus FTR. That's a pay-per-view yeah. match. And for the women's title, remember the quote-unquote main event. Britt Baker versus Ruby Soho. That's a main event. That's a uh, pay-per-view match. That's okay. That's pay-per-view. So they can move that one over. Four out of five were legitimate pay-per-view matches. And then MJF, Brian Pillman was whatever. So, yes, that is the kind of show where you add a little bit of beef to it. That's a pay-per-view show. And remember, Grand Slam is part one, part two. So Rampage had the rest of the stuff. CM Punk, Powerhouse Hobbs. Kingston and Moxley versus Lance Archer and Minoru Suzuki. You can put together a pay-per-view with this stuff. With what I just named and what was on Rampage. Uh, Super Click versus Christian Cage in the Jurassic Express. So you're right. That that one's a pay-per-view, no doubt about it. And you cut all this fat. Right. The rest of the stuff that I'm not naming. You know, Penelope Ford versus Anna Jay. <laughs> um, Men of the Year versus Inner Circle. Was Jericho and Hagar versus Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky. Um, you know, but anyway, between the Dynamite and the Rampage, you've got seven or eight pay-per-view quality matches there for Grand Slam. So maybe it's just the more recent ones that have just been run-of-the-mill TV. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But... Yeah, we'll see. Anyway. We'll see what ends up happening with that. Uh, as far as next week's uh, Dynamite, obviously, Blood and Guts, we, we do now have the official announcement of, of the full... Uh, lineup for the Blood and Guts match. It's going to be John Moxley, Claudio, Wheeler, uh, Kanosuke Takeshita, and the returning Pac. Pac made his return uh, on Dynamite, and he'll be uh, that team will be facing the Golden Elites, Kenny Omega, Heyman Page, the Young Bucks, and as speculated by many, 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 many people, the debuting Kota Ibushi is here in AEW. Blood and Guts next week. Golden Elite versus Blackpool Combat Club and Pac. Takeshita and Pac, I well, should say. People heard my thoughts on the review 
what do you think of those two guys? Um, I I like the Pac. I like the Pac inclusion. Uh, I don't. I guess I don't love that Death Triangle is done because I thought. I guess it's not done. I guess we shouldn't say that it's done. I don't know that Do it's we done. We know that for we sure. We don't know it's That's done. The thing. Yeah, he could just be. Yeah. In this particular case, he's going after Kenny Omega. He doesn't mean right. that he's done with Death Triangle. Doesn't mean Death Triangle's over. He's just going after Kenny Omega, and, and these are the. And he obviously has beef with the Bucks with the Death Triangle, right? Guys. Right. So there's right. a connection. There so too. there's connection there. He's just a guy that they have common enemies at this time. So yeah, I guess I shouldn't say that the Death Triangle's over. Uh, I love Pac. I wish Pac was around more. I hate when Pac's gone for like six months at a time, and I forget that Pac's there, and then Pac comes back, and I'm like, oh yeah, Pac's great, and then he goes away. He does some cool stuff for a month or two, and then he goes away for a little bit. I, it's it's very strange the way they use Pac. It's very very odd. Uh, the, the way that he's used and, and, and utilized there. But anytime he's there, I love him. I mean, he, he, he's great. He looks like a million bucks. He's a, he's a, he's a bastard. Uh, he's got the hammer. So I'm all in on it. I, I think he's going to add to that match as well. Uh, and Kotobushi, I mean, it's, yeah, it's Kotobushi. How could you not be excited about Kotobushi and AEW in a blood and guts match? You know, re, re, you know, reunited with Kenny Omega, reunited with the Young Bucks, you know, there with the, uh, the Golden Elite. That sounds, that sounds like an awesome, awesome, awesome match. I mean, I, I, I'd be, you know, it's war game style. You know, I don't always love war games, but I think Blood and Guts have been one of the best versions of of war games that, that anyone's done in recent history. So, no, I'm I'm excited about it. I think Pac's great. I think Kotobushi is is he's fucking Kotobushi. So, you know, <laughs> I, I think he'll fit in great. And and yeah, it sounds like a hell of a match. And they've this this has unquestionably been the best feud in AEW. I mean, just blowing away the MJF uh, Adam Cole stuff. So so to me. Uh, I'm excited, and uh, I don't know if it's the end of it. Probably, and and interested to see what they do next with all these guys. But uh, I think this is going to be a hell of a match. It's an absolute war, uh, an absolute blood, uh, bloodbath. So yeah, I, I can't wait. All right, before we switch topics, can I take the world's worst victory lap? Uh, you can. I do want to let people know though before you do that. Oh yeah, yeah, get that in. That's important. Next week, blood and guts, as we do with a lot of these specials, Joe. <laughs> Several. I blew, I, blew, I blew up your spot. Several of these specials. We'll be doing instant reaction live immediately following the show next Wednesday. Blood and guts. Subscribe now to our ten dollars tier flagship patreon.com patreon.com slash voices of wrestling voices of wrestling.com slash patreon instant reaction live for next week's AEW dynamite blood and guts we got blackpool combat club Takeshita and Pac versus the golden elite blood and guts as well as daniel garcia and sammy guevara versus adam cole and mjf in the finals of the blind eliminator tag team tournament instant reaction live next week immediately following AEW dynamite blood and guts that means no thursday dynamite review because you're already going to be reviewing it there so we do lose that but uh Get on the $10 tier as soon as you can. Flagshippatreon.com, patreon.com slash voice of wrestling, and you will be able to listen to that live immediately following Dynamite. Yeah, and I'm not going to review it twice, so you want to hear Dynamite review next week, you can hear it live right after the show and uh, get on the $10, $10 tier for that. So I'm going to take the world's dumbest and weakest victory lap. You ready for this? I'm ready. Let's go. So uh, Brian Pillman Jr., appears to be done with AEW oh. and he's uh, off the roster page and we know how AEW does things. They don't announce when people, the, the, the contracts quietly, quietly uh, run their course and then people are just gone. Right. The only time you really hear about it being official is if the wrestler themselves puts it out there. Uh, the company never releases information that someone is finished with the company. The contract runs out and they're gone. So Brian Pillman Jr. is off the roster page. I remember in the early days of uh, of AEW, the early days of Dynamite, uh, this was a real debate 
as far as which of the varsity blondes was going to be earmarked for stardom. Was it going to be Brian Pillman Jr.? Was it going to be Griff Garrison? And I was adamant on those television, those weekly. T- I told you this is going to be a terrible victory lap. <laughs> this is the I was worst adamant. victory lap. Who cares? Adamant on those television <laughs> reviews. You know I never bypassed the opportunity to to. to this is your lowest. Right. I can't believe you're going to do this, but go ahead. I was adamant on those television reviews that if I was forced to choose, it's Griff Garrison <sighs> that would be the star of this group, not Brian Pillman Jr., who to me was a total nothing <laughs> I always saw him as a total nothing. He never got any better in the ring. He wasn't coachable. Uh, you never heard good things, whispers when you talk to people in the company. Uh, he didn't really have any charisma, and he was 100% a product of just being his father's son. And uh, here we are. Brian Pillman Jr. no longer with the company. But you know who is still with the company, Rich? Griff you know Garrison. who's still with the company? Griff Garrison. Griff Garrison. Good height. <laughs> This is nice the, and tall. This is the worst victory he's, you've ever done. <laughs> he's nice and tall. He's got that height that you look yeah. for. Oh, yeah. Oh, star, yeah. And the star wrestler. And he's tall. He's got and, the uh, height. He does have the height you look for in a star wrestler. I would. Uh, he, he has the height. He's he's long. Yeah. He's uh-huh. uh, He's got the length. He's uh, he's tall. He's uh, what's he definitely the, what, has some height to him. What's the last all elite wrestling match that uh, that Griff Garrison's been on? That man's injured. Oh, OK. You can't. You can't besmirch him. Is he? <laughs> he just okay. wrestled. He just wrestled He's earlier not. this month. Well, I, listen, That's don't worry about that. That's oh. besides the point here is he is still employed, and I have to take the victory lap here. I was right about the superior varsity blonde. It was Griff Garrison all along. So um, whoever I'm sticking it to there, whoever used to argue with me about that. <laughs> You're all wrong. <laughs> I want to let you know that uh, I came out ahead as always. So. Uh, as Jordan Smith puts in the note of chat room, a victory lap in a golf cart is what you just did. <laughs> so good. <laughs> I told you Griff Garrison was the best, better of the. I what? told you Griff Garrison would outlast Brian Hillman <laughs> Jr. And God damn it, he did. I think Julia Hart um, made out be- better than anybody in that, uh, that crew, but. Uh... Well, that's without question. But, but sure, there's still time. The, the Griff Garrison story has not been told yet. The book has closed on Brian Pillman. We can close the book on Brian Pillman. But the, the, book, the Griff Garrison book is still open. Who knows what chapters will be written uh, in the coming weeks and months and years. Yeah, Griff's got that height that you look for. <laughs> okay. In, <laughs> in a future wrestling, he's got the good height. Uh-huh. So uh, yeah. I think, I think what's well, Griff? He's got to be a solid 6'3". Right? I think he's about 6'2", 6'3", yeah. Call, he's long, he's got the height. Yeah. yeah. Um, a lot of things to like about <laughs> starting <laughs> starting with his height. Um so anyway, that's uh the lest people thought I would forget, okay, those hotly contested 2019 slash 2020 debates in the comments of the Thursday. The TV old days, reviews. the good old days, man. People don't realize there's a lot of yeah. new people that have gotten into AEW, new people listening to the show, man. Those those halcyon days of early AEW, man, that was your big debate when the show was over. was like, I don't know, man. Not sure about these Hollywood blondes. It's like, you know. Yeah. I considered putting together an audio package like we did for Kenny Omega when he won the G1. Oh, going back but, and, and uh, all your old, you know, all, old discussions. Yeah, about that's right. why Griff Garrison is the superior Hollywood blonde. That's right. 
I, I varsity blonde. Varsity blonde. Sorry, Hollywood <laughs> blondes. That's the successful uh, version of of his father. I was going to give Andrew Rich his worst homework assignment of all time. And <laughs> go listen to 2019 TV reviews and find the times where I bring up Griff Garrison. And, yeah. uh, yes, being the superior varsity blonde. But um, anyway, let we can continue with the show. I just I, I've been I've had that written down in my notes, and I made it a point uh, that I was going to bring that up. So I was right again. There you go. Pat yourself on the back like Barry Horowitz there. There you go. I do. I've got, yes, absolutely. Uh, anyway. How can you not? So that is AEW Instant Reaction Live again next week uh, for AEW Dynamite Blood and Guts. Let's move on to the world of, we got a lot of ways to go here. Uh, I'm not going to, well, we could do G1, but you know, I'm going to hold G1 off for a little bit. I want to talk about RevPro. I want to talk about RevPro Epic Encounters 2023, uh, the world of European wrestling. Let's bounce over to the UK here. Uh, for RevPro's Epic Encounters 2023 from York Hall. Uh, main event was Michael Oku versus Great Okan. Our semi-main event was Will Ospreay versus Leon Slater. You had Zack Sabre Jr. versus Jordan Brakes. A lot of stuff up and down the card. Uh, Joe, you and I both watched the show. What do you think overall of the show before we maybe get into uh, some of the top matches? I'll start with the main event here in a bit. But what do you think overall uh, of RevPro Epic Encounters 2023? Because I, I, I thought it was a really fun show. I really enjoyed it. I uh, had a lot of tropes that kind of got, you know, every, well, we'll talk about it in a bit. There was something that happened in just about every one of the matches that maybe was a little bit of overkill, but, you know, l- largely keep an eye on Refro, man. There, there's a lot of good stuff going on in that company. Production value is good. Uh, the commentary on this show was really good. They're bringing in a lot of guys that, you know, cast off from NXT UK. They're about to have their biggest show ever. Uh, in August, on the heels of, of of All In in Wembley at the Copper Box, so there's a lot to like about Refro. What do you think overall of Epic Encounters? I thought this show rocked and was very well booked, and um, you know, and I know, you know there were some repetitive finishes. I know that's where you're going with that, and we'll get into that when we review the show. But I thought that um, look, th- th- this is going to sound like a weird comparison. And I did think the final two matches were legitimately great. The Will Ospreay, Leon Slater match and the, um, the main event with uh, Oku ending the five year undefeated streak of the great Okan and winning the rev pro title. Did you do the same thing I did um, where I'm like, there's no way, let me look, let me make sure. And it, it, it's true. It is. That's five years. Yep. Yeah. 2018, June, 2018. Um, those were great matches, but as far as the rest of the show, it really reminded me of vintage, your big brother's dragon gate where everything is really good and everything has a purpose and everything is like between three and a quarter and three and three quarter stars and um, a rich crate special yeah, show where sure. everything is at minimum pretty, where the floor is pretty good. And um, from that standpoint, now obviously the wrestling style is nothing like dragon gate. That's where the comparison ends, but it was a very un Rev Pro like show in a lot of ways too, because I've been watching all of the Rev Pro shows, or at minimum, the the top matches from just about every show this year. And Rev Pro shows are a lot like mid aughts Ring of Honor in that sometimes when you watch a Rev Pro show, it could be mentally exhausting because in every match everyone's going one hundred and ten percent, and it's it's super work ratey. And remember, sometimes you'd get like an ROH DVD and you got to take a break like halfway through. You're like, all right, I, 
I got to finish this tomorrow. Right. Some of those 2007 shows, like I loved them, but like the opener would be like, you know, Eric Stevens and Davey Richards and they'd have a 25 minute match with 27 kickouts and stuff and and it ruled and you're like, all right, ruled, but like, God, I have three more hours of this. Like I need a break here. I need to chill. So, or like how, like a vintage bola where you couldn't watch it in one sitting because it's too much. It's, it's overload. That's what these, that's what rev pro is like a lot of the time with their rank and file shows. I'm not suggesting the wrestling is as good, although it's better than you think it is, okay? Um, but it's that same kind of feel where it's just, this show I didn't think was like that. No, I no. thought every one of these matches told a very good physical story. I know that storytelling is a hot-button topic in wrestling these days and everything, but this is old-school pro wrestling where they tell a physical story, and each match had its own little story. There were some repetitive finishes that we'll get to. I thought all of the angles they ran were were hits and ended up being home runs both for the live crowd and in terms of building interest in the copper box show we'll get to all those as well and uh top to bottom and then again the semi and the main you know the will osprey leon slater match the match itself the story of the match and then all of the shenanigans that took place it's like one of those rare matches that has a ton of interference that i still think is like Four and a half stars. Oh, for sure. Everything yeah, because so I, I was ready. When, the, the match was awesome, by the way. We'll, we'll talk about it in here in a sec. The match was fucking awesome. And then they do a ref bump, and I'm like, ah, here we go. Match sucks. Now. You know, not, not that the match sucks now, but it's like, ah, they sucked all the air out of this. And then people are interfering, and shit's happening, and things are happening, and, th- and things are, and then, and then they got me back, and I was like, I don't care. It's actually good again. <laughs> like, it, it, for a brief moment, I'm thinking, ah, damn it, they ruined it. And I'm like, no, they didn't. They enhanced it. It, it ended up being, yeah, in, in the end, that's a hell of a match. Not enough people are talking about that match. I, I can't believe it. That, that, that match. Because, Rich, no one's watching these shows. Yeah, so hopefully I mean, we can help get you to watch it because you have to watch Will Ospreay and Leon Slater. You have to. Yeah, I mean, you got to watch Michael Oku and Great Ocon, too, to be honest. You got to watch both of those. But you have to watch Osprey and Leon Slater. I cannot believe that more people are not talking about this match. I could see Oku and Khan annoying some people because it got a little long in the tooth. Um, Because I'm super invested in the promotion, though, that didn't bother me. I guess if you parachute in for Ocon and and, and, and Oku, you might not get it. Oku is a very, you got to get it. If you don't get it with Oku, I get I Because there's a lot of people that, you know, we, we last year, you know, talked about the Oku Osprey match. And that match did very well in our match of the year. And anybody that knew anything about uh, Ref Pro or knew Michael Oku or knew anything about the British wrestling scene, that was like their match of the year. They thought it was just an, an unbelievable match, incredible match or whatever. There were a lot of people that kind of floated on in and were just like, ah, I don't quite get it. And I get it because if you don't get Oku, if you don't understand Oku, if you don't understand what the build has been for Oku, I can understand how you might not you know, be invested in it. But I'll give the commentary credit. They did a great job of telling you why you should care about Michael Oku in this match. And they talked about from where he was five years ago, from where he was today to what he's done in between and and all the things that has happened to him in, in, in the time and in the breakup of his tag team and the, the match with Osprey and the lowest of lows and the highest of highs and all these sort of things. And here he is now with this opportunity to finally win this title and break a five year, you know, so I could see how like, yeah, if you floated in, you might be like, eh, I don't know if I quite get it. And yeah, it's a little long in the tooth, but I, I still think. The commentary did a good enough job, and I think if you keep your mind open, I, I think there's a lot to like about Oku and, 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 and Okan. Yeah, and um, especially if you have any investment in the promotion and the undefeated streak, and um, you know, and and they kind of accidentally got here because you know whether it was Ricky Knight Jr.'s broken wrist or whatever it was when he was supposed to face Okan, maybe he was supposed to end the undefeated streak, but then he got hurt, and then Okan wins the title, the vacant title over his brother. And maybe this Oku 
Ocon match. That's a weird back-to-back names to say. It was never meant to be, but it ended up happening, and it ended up being Oku ending the undefeated streak. And um, you know, it was a it was a it was a big moment for uh, for the company, and the crowd responded to it. And it was it had some overbooking at the end too. I guess. Well, yeah, I didn't feel like it was over. A lot happened, but yeah, I, I didn't think so. I know, think for a moment like this, when you have a guy who's 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 really pretty much worked his entire way up the ranks in, in a Michael Oku from, from opening matches to tag teams to singles things all the way up to this point. And a guy who's been undefeated for five years, like, no, I, I think you need to have it be as big and, and boisterous as possible. So no, I, I, I didn't think it was overbooked at all. I, I thought that's what you needed to do. You, you know, it's uh and I guess we should just talk about it. Um, we'll start there with the main event, you know, so, it's uh, Okan's undefeated for five years. He's a champion, and he really does have a certain kind of energy when he's in this promotion. And United Empire are heels here. I know that they're kind of like face-leaning tweeners in New Japan now, but here they're heels, especially Okan and Gideon Gray. There's nothing babyface about them <laughs> <No>. at all. <laughs> Crowd is not going to um, cheer for Lord Gideon Gray or anybody associated with him. Osprey's a heel too, but he's a little more shade of gray. But you know, Ocon and Gideon Gray and the rest of the United Empire are firmly heels here. And Oku is the purest baby face you can possibly have. And, you know, he's got his wife slash valet out there. And, um, you know, Oku's got him beat and Gideon Gray jumps in the ring to save his guy. And they were teasing that that was, you know, going to be Ocon's opening. And, you know, and Oku accidentally did the dive on his on his valet and and uh, that looked like it took her out. It looked like, you know, Okan was going to survive it. But um, Oku locked him in that single leg crab and he wrenched it in. And his wife took out Gray. And what's her name? Amaya. Amaya. Uh, Amira. I, I can never Amira. pronounce her name. Amira. Amira. And um, <clears throat> I'm avoiding saying her name because I, I never pronounce it right. Amira is her name. Yep. So she takes out Gray at the end with the big pop and he leans back with a single leg and Ocon truly has no escape, and he and he he not only beats him, he taps him, and he wins the title. And um, yeah, it was a great match and a great moment. And the whole babyface locker room came out to congratulate him. And um, you know, Trent Seven puts the belt around his waist, and then he hits him with the ripcord, uh, whatever he calls his version of the rainmaker. I don't remember what he calls it. And um, you know, everybody, that's that's a big angle. So it looks like has has that been made official for Copper uh, Box? Is that I our title? I don't believe match? that is official quite yet for that show. But 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 yeah, you can you can put two and two together and and assume that that is indeed where where they're going with that match. So let me take a look. Um, yeah, as far no, as, it's not official. Yeah, yet, I, I so. looked before we started the show, and they hadn't really went official with all the matches so far. So I think they're gonna they're gonna wait a little bit for that one. But but you know, uh, um, he had one earlier in the night. Trent seven. Yeah, he beats Shaw uh, Samuels. Samuels. And, and they talked about it. And a lot of time during that match, they said, hey, you know, it's a big time match. These are big, you know, two big contenders. You know, the win here might get yeah. the guys over to the next level. And that's what I was going to say about RevPro, where you said the work is is definitely better in RevPro right now because they have a lot of the old NXT UK guys, a lot of the guys that that left the scene in shambles and, and, and bounced over to NXT UK to do whatever that is. Those guys are slowly starting to come back. And a lot of them are pretty high level workers. You know, say whatever you want about Trent Seven, but adding Trent Seven to your roster is going to make it a better roster. He's a good worker. He's a good, very good wrestler. You know, Flash Morgan Webster and Mark Andrews, you add them to your tag division. Impact is seeing that as well. Like it, it's, it's invigorated impact. 
and it absolutely has invigorated RevPro as well. So just little by little, you know, kind of sprinkling these guys back in uh, is helping, you know, make the whole thing feel a little better. It makes it feel like a little bit more of a, of a professional operation where there would be times where RevPro during during the height of NXT UK, where RevPro's undercard was like, you know, a wasteland. And, and, and most of those guys, I mean, those guys, a lot of them did work their way up and, and, and got better and trained and are now, you know, part of the, the you know, the bigger part of the uh, uh, of the show, but like, yeah, adding those guys, like you want to be able to add those guys. It just, it rises, it, it raises the tide all over the place. You know, when, when you get Trent seven, Morgan Webster, Andrews, those sort of guys back in uh, 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 the mix. I mean, the repro, the repro roster is quietly like one of the best in the world. It's a really good roster. It, it like, listen, even the smaller shows where some of these, uh, you know, bigger stars, like subculture who work a lot of impact and, you know, who aren't always around, even the rank and file shows they have all they have so many good young talented literal children like teenage wrestlers some guys that weren't even on the show like Callum Newman didn't wrestle on this show he did corner Will Ospreay but he didn't wrestle on the show JJ Gale didn't wrestle on this show he did do an angle but he didn't wrestle on the show I don't know if you've seen Cameron Kai yet but you need to go out of your way to see Cameron Kai I've written about him behind the paywall again these are like teenagers in some cases um uh, uh, Leon Slater, who did wrestle on the show, and and obviously they have huge plans for him, based on how that match was booked and laid out and how everything went. Um, you know, and 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 I'm not even naming them all. They have about six to eight of these extremely young wrestlers who are hungry, who are between the ages of like 17 and 21, all over these shows. And you have to watch some of the smaller shows to see them because they kind of get squeezed out on some of these bigger shows sometimes. But I'm hoping all of these guys get an opportunity on the Copper Box show when all eyes will be on the promotion. And we already know J.J. Gale is going to be on the show because they shot the angle, and he's going to be wrestling Kosei Fujita. Yep. And I think that's a great test for Gale and a great match for him because we know Kosei Fujita is the real deal. That guy fucking rules, okay? And uh, Gale can be spotty sometimes, you know? And a lot of these kids can be. They're kids. They brought in that latent buzzard who – isn't as young as these other guys. He's been around the block a few times, but he's been wrestling for ICW and in Scotland and shit, places that nobody's really paying attention to in our circles. And, you know, they brought him in for that open challenge with Osprey, and now he's in the mix, and he's part of the mix with these. And he's another guy who is an excellent wrestler. So, And all these guys always give maximum effort on these shows, and oftentimes, you know, Luke Jacobs, I mean, I've talked about him a ton. Oh, he's great, yeah. And, you know, I thought Tom Lawler, uh, did a great job kind of slowing him down because the one thing with Luke Jacobs is he's always a thousand miles per hour and he's always trying to have that 2006 ROH match. And I think that's sometimes just to his detriment, even, even as good as he is. And Tom Lawler really made him wrestle at a slower pace. And those two guys just went out there and had an excellent wrestling match. But Jacobs is another one. Connor Mills has come a long way. Uh, yeah, the roster's loaded. And when they bring in these bigger names like your Trent Sevens, and your Flash and your Mark Andrews and Flash Morgan Websters and people like that for the bigger shows, Zach Saber Jr. Man, you know that what you get is a show like this, which delivered top to bottom with some really cool booking too. So I'm hoping that your Cameron Kai's and your Leighton Buzzards and your Callum Newmans get an opportunity at the Copper Box uh, to to work that show. But it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard. There's going to be plenty of New Japan talent. There already is, and um, they're they're going to need to sell some tickets, so they're going to have to. Put people like you know that you know Trent Seven turns heel and clotheslines Oku. We we got to figure that that's going to be the title match on the show, and it's the right decision. You got to put your bigger stars on there. You know, 
Trent Seven, I I think is a solid. Re- he the Euros hate him, and I don't know if there's some kind of fucking weird cancellation thing that I'm missing out on, or maybe it's just still heat because he was a WWE guy and was pretty outspoken about it. That's probably has more to do with it, right? With the trend. I think it's a little bit A, a little bit of B. I, I forget the A part. I, there, there's something with it, but yeah, I, I lost track of, of when Brit Rest got canceled or not. Soft Those canceled Euros are so fucking grumpy. It's, you know, and I, you know, <laughs> but I, I don't want to get into it. I, he was also one of the biggest like chuds about the WWE thing where people yes. are like, hey man, you're destroying the scene. And he's, you know, not as much as Pete Dunn, but he was right there neck and neck with Pete Dunn being like, no, this is good for British wrestling. And everyone's like, it's not. It's clearly not how could you say it's good for british wrestling and it of course was not good for british wrestling at all uh so now him coming back into that scene and saying hey i'm back now like i get why that would so turning him heel is probably the best way to go because people fucking hate this guy's guts so why don't you just do it probably probably gonna work out for the better i think the twitter hardcores without question hate his guts i don't know about your rank and file ticket buyer i do know too when he popped up in AEW for that taping people acted like they brought in satan I, I I was like, what did I miss? Like, I this guy's pretty good. I don't know what the big deal. Like, I don't mind having him around. But um, but again, kind of that whole crowd, they've been burned so many times when it comes to the WWE thing, when it comes to speaking out. To, to, that was just a double bullet to the head to that scene. And I can understand why a lot of those fans are just so put off by everybody and so slow to come around. But, um, uh, you know, from my standpoint, I don't know. I don't have anything against Trent Seven. I, you know, I, I, if he wants to, if they want to bring him in the rep pro and put him in big time matches, I thought the heel turn worked. And, um, I think that could be a really good title match and a supporting match for that, uh, copper box. So show, but that was the main event. Let's just go through some of these other matches. I will so, say one of the, one of the interesting parts about the main event too. So like you said, the babyface locker room came out and, uh, Connor Mills kind of did the, the Owen Hart oh, at yeah, the end yeah, of WrestleMania thing where he came out and Oku's like, you know, come on in the ring, man. Like, water under the bridge. It's all good. Like, you know, whatever. And Mills just kind of, you know, because now this guy, he turned on Oku. You know, Mills is right. the they guy were that tag gonna, team partners. He, they were former tag team partners. Mills turns on Oku because he's ready to kind of progress his career and move forward yeah. without Oku. And now Oku gets to that that mountaintop before he does. And there's that, you know, jealousy or whatever that, that yeah, Connor Mills is doing well. He earlier in the night won the undisputed British cruiserweight title. So he's got a title. But then at the end of the night, his former tag team partner, the guy he turns on, wins the main title. And is trying to say, hey, man, we were both champions. Come on in. Like, let's, you know, let's 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 settle this. And and Mills is still like, eh, I'm not, no, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. Yeah, down with walked that just out yet. on him. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's not only that Mills won the cruiserweight title in the opener. He beat a guy who was on the verge of breaking Oku's record for the longest cruiserweight title reign. So there's that tie in, too. And Mills thought that, like, this was his big night. He wins the cruiserweight title. And then, like you said, later in the night, it's kind of that Brett. Owen it is thing. exactly the Brett Owen thing. Yeah. Owen gets the, the the win over Brett in the opener of WrestleMania 10 and then, you know, thinks that it's his night and his moment. And then Bret Hart wins the WF title. And at the end of the night, everyone's like, ah, come on, Owen, come on in the ring. Celebrate with your brother. And he's like, fuck all of you. Fuck everybody. Yeah. So, yeah. That's what I mean. A very well booked show. Yeah. From, you know, and, and there's some other things, too, that I loved in terms of the booking. So the Oku Mills thing still kind of burns and. Mills is one of the most improved wrestlers in the mm. world. I mean, he's just come such a long uh, way. Look, uh, approach, 
charisma, everything, everything. just everything that you can ask for has has, has drastically changed. But uh, semi-main event, this is the match that you absolutely, absolutely, if you have to watch one match on the show, go out of your way to watch this one. Will Ospreay, this guy never fucking misses. It's just like, it's unbelievable. And I didn't think he was going to miss here, but I didn't think he'd hit as well as he hit here. Uh, Because I like Leon Slater, but, you know, there's some parts that are a little rough around the edges with Leon Slater. He's, He's getting there. But well, he's he had, 18. He's 18, exactly. I was about to say, but he's 18. So it's like, you let it go. You're like, ah, he's not a, a finished product, but he's fucking 18. So it's okay. But then he goes out here with Will Ospreay, the best wrestler in the in, in, on planet Earth, and then goes out there and has easily, like, to me, uh, a four and a half star match. I think, what'd you say, four and a quarter? No, I'd go like four and a half on this. Yeah, it's fucking yeah. rough. It was just incredible. It was so good. And Slater is, because uh, Will has now reached that point in his career where he's the big time powerhouse and he's the strong guy and he throws the big bombs and stuff. And now these other guys are selling for him like death. And Leon Slater, did he sell like Will Ospreay had just killed? I mean, every clothesline Leon Slater just sold perfectly. That hidden blade sell at the end of the match was fucking tremendous. Will Ospreay does the sickest Liger bomb you will ever see in your entire life. Just made me actively loudly go shit <laughs> when I watched it. I just went, oh my God, shit, as he did this Liger bomb to the guy. He does a Tiger Driver 91. Uh, Twitter does not explode for this one, believe it or not. They uh, they only care when it happens in AEW shows, I guess. But um, yeah, Will Ospreay just doing everything he can, but knowing what how Will likes to structure these matches with these young guys gave Leon Slater everything. I mean, Leon Slater kicked out of every move that you can possibly imagine. Will Ospreay threw everything at this guy. He kept kicking out, kept kicking out, kept kicking out. Would get a little hope spot here and there. Would get a little hope here and there. They do a ref bump. They do a thing where, uh, you, you know, you got people trying to help out Leon Slater, but then he actually hurts. And, and it's just, you got all these things going on, a ton of stuff going on and still Will then, you know, hits him one more time. He still kicks out. He still survives. And then finally, Will Ospreay just puts him away. Uh, and wins the match. But it's one of those matches that, well, it's over. While Will got the win, you're left going, God damn, he made a kid here in, in Leon Slater. He made a guy here in one night. And 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 Leon Slater, yeah, all the credit in the world to him. He looked tremendous here. And Will Ospreay just continues to be the best wrestler in the world. Just just the best. There's nobody on his level. Nobody tries harder to make people than Will Ospreay. Uh, nobody tries harder in that regard. Um, you know, he's just totally unselfish. He's from the Ric Flair mold. He's from, you know, the elite never wanting to win in early AEW and put everybody else over. And, um, yeah, this was just, you know, the early part of the match was Will Ospreay just dominating the kid and, you know, pinning him with like a knee on his chest and not taking him too seriously. And uh, we've all seen this kind of story before. And, you know, then we had the ref bump. What I, what I will say, one thing I liked about the early part of the match is Leon Slater kicked out at one a bunch of times because Will wasn't even giving yeah. him, like, real pinfalls. He would do, like, a hip toss right. and then put, like, one little. And instead of doing the one-two, because sometimes I get annoyed by that. Like, why is every, you know, yeah. almost every pinfall is a one-two, whereas this guy would get up from one and just be like, come on, man, you're pinning me with a, <laughs> you, know, you, did not, you didn't do anything to me. And you're pinning me with a knee on your chest. Like, no, it's not. A, I'm not going to let you get two on me. It, it, no, get the fuck out of here, which I like. It, it immediately established that Leon Slater was 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 a guy, you know what I mean? And that Will was kind of playing with his, you know, playing with his, 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 his prey here. You know what I mean? Like he could put him away, but just was like, ah, this guy sucks. I don't have to do anything really. But then it's like, he couldn't beat him. Yeah. And then, you know, they did the ref bump and then he went for like, whatever, whatever it was, the low blow, whatever cheap shot that he gave him. And then all the shit started because Callum Newman was out there cornering him. But then uh, Dan Maloney comes out. And if you remember, Dan Maloney was United Empire, but now, 
he quit United Empire and attacked TJP and, Fra- and, and Francisco Akira, and he joined Bullet Club. And what did I say when that happened? He's going to have to eventually face Osprey and, and answer for that. So, you know, in this promotion, that's exactly what this was. So he beats up Callum Newman on the outside and throws him into the post. Then he gets involved in the match. Throws him into the post. The no, he, just... no throw, he grabbed him <laughs> and threw him into the guardrails, and all the guardrails exploded. <laughs> like It yeah. was incredible. Drillin Maloney <laughs> grabs this guy by the hair, throws him about 10 feet into the guardrail, and Kalen Newman takes a huge bump here, and the guardrails just explode all over the place. It was just like, he felt like the big, and then he does that, and the crowd's just going nuts. Like, yeah, Maloney, get his ass. Get him. Everyone's standing. The place, I mean, Maloney is so good and so intense. And, um, you know, his breakout was very predictable. You know, it took him a couple New Japan shows to find his footing, but then he did. And now we know that they had bigger plans for him. And and he really probably wasn't asked to show his personality until he did the turn. And now he's really showing it in, in both places. But then he gets involved and him and Osprey come to blows. And um, the, the finish of this match got me off of my couch when he gave Slater that flying fucking hidden blade elbow in midair to the front of his face. I thought he decapitated him. It was one of those. It's not a hidden blade. Cause it was like to the front and it was just, they were both in midair. <laughs> I, know, and I can't was, even describe it. You have it to watch just, it. You have to, I know exactly what you're talking about. You have to watch it. It's fucking absurd. It's fucking Will Ospreay. He's just great. I mean, I'm comfortable now saying he's one of the greatest wrestlers to ever walk the planet. He's oh, just he's an all-time great. Unquestionably. He's just an all-time great. And we're not even halfway through his career. And uh so he explodes Leon Slater's face and then and then beats him. But you know, so much coming out of this now. You know, and and you know, with with Maloney, and then Maloney's checking on Slater after the match. But he's fucking Dan Maloney, and he's a piece of shit. So he picks him up and gives him his finisher, his fucking pile driller. Well, to to be fair, driller or whatever. The, the, to be fair, Slater did. It, there was a spot in the match where where Maloney was holding up Osprey for Slater, and then Osprey, you know, dove out of the way, and Slater did hit Maloney. So he does have a little <laughs> oh, bit of justification. Yeah, yeah, sure, he's got a yeah, little justification but, here if he wants, but it wouldn't matter. He'd probably do it anyway because he's fucking drilling Dan Maloney. But just just you know, in case he needed a reason, he's got a little bit. Of yeah, but the idea was it was obvious that it wasn't. Sleeves. Yeah, for sure, for sure. For but, sure. You know, and it's just Maloney being a fucking asshole. <laughs> Maloney's a fuckface. Yeah, for sure. All all of this shit, if you if you watch the promotion, all comes together and makes sense. I mean, Slater and Maloney have had interactions before. It's just so well booked. It's just great. And then the match was great. All of this was red hot. And I just felt like I watched, you know, something that was a borderline match of the year contender. I mean, you know, obviously it's not going to be able to touch the Osprey Omega matches or anything like that, but um, you know, it's, it's one of the, you know, it'll go down as one of the best matches of the month without question. It's classic Will Ospreay in, in, in a great booking scenario. They set up future storylines. I mean, he had his young boy at ringside and then that had a purpose for Maloney to beat him up. It was just, everything was, everything about this landed. Everything about this was great. And does this mean that we're going to get Dan Maloney versus Leon Slater at the copper box? I don't know. Um, possibly. Leon Slater was elevated to another level here yeah. mm-hmm. with this loss. This was one of those losses because he's in there, you know, with the top stars and his performance was great. And he's now been ele- successfully elevated with this match in, in, in this promotion. So uh, this all worked for me. Um, Zack Sabre Jr. versus Jordan Brakes. 
Jordan Brakes does World of Sport kind of shit. And he actually looks like a world of sport. He does. Guy. He's like he's this, he's this weird looking pale British yeah. guy that comes out. And you're just like, yep, this guy's going to do some world of sports shit. And then he does. It's like you see him and you're like, yeah, here we go. They're going to they're yeah, going to mention like a- Jim Brakes drink once they mention Jim Brakes. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like going to happen in yeah. any second now. So, yeah, but it works. Yeah. He, um, he's got a shaved head, but he still has sideburns. And he's uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it does look like. He's very pale. He's he's uh, very much looks like you're watching no you know, muscle mass, no muscle mass yeah. at all. Just, you know, none whatsoever, you know, and he's doing he's doing like fancy escapes from Zach's holds. And then he's going, hey, like, in his, <laughs> like you know, total fucking world of sports shit. And, uh, you know, so this was a, you know, Zach's grappling and Jordan Gray. It was a, it was a change of pace for the card uh, and Zach wins. And then they did an angle and then a second angle. So JJ Gale comes out and they cut promos on each other, Gale and Saber and, and, you know, Gale's going to face Fujita, Kosei Fujita, like we mentioned, which is Saber's young boy in new Japan. I guess he's not a young boy anymore. I shouldn't say that. Yeah. He's, he's, he's a weird. Member. Yeah. He weirdly, weirdly graduated. Yeah. He said, I'm not a young boy anymore. And you know, so he's, not, but you know, he's still a bottom guy in TMDK, but um, you know, so he'll be taken. That's a good matchup. And um, then when Gale leaves, RKJ shows up and he um, attacks Zack Sabre Jr. and hits his finish on him and everything. That match is official. That's a, for... that's locked in. That is locked in. Yep. So Zack Sabre Jr. versus RKJ, which is a very interesting match. So um, that was good because people weren't expecting another angle because they thought the J.J. Gale thing was the big angle. Right. So it's like it was even more surprising when RKJ shows up, like out of the crowd or whatever. Right, and then, right. Uh, attack. And one thing I'll say about all these angles is you had all these, but none of these really affected the match all that much. Like you got the match over with. Everybody got their match in. You know, I mean, yes, you had, you know, some ref bombs and some interference in some of these, but none of the matches felt like they had lost. And we were, we just talked about like four different angles that they booked, you know, and just, but the matches themselves didn't get bogged down by any of these angles. They let the match happen and then the angles happen afterwards, which is fine with me. I have no issue whatsoever. Ref Pro has been known to kind of overbook at times. And in this case, yes, did they repeat a lot of like heel turns or guys coming out at the end of matches? They did, but they all were kind of self contained away from the match itself, which I, I, I did appreciate. Yeah, so, um, you know, that was uh, Saber and Breaks. Um, I didn't watch. Did you watch the women's match? I didn't watch. Uh, yeah, it was actually pretty good. Uh, I, I won't lie. Uh, Alex Windsor uh, at the end. They, again, they did another similar thing where Alex Windsor is like kind of being nice throughout the entire time. And then she just becomes an absolute shitbag at the end of the match to uh, 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 to win this. And I believe she defeated Hyon in the uh, in the in the final. So it was Alex Windsor and, and, and Hyon. Uh, and now she has both titles. She has the Southside Women's and the Undisputed British Women's. But it was pretty good. Alex Windsor's is, is solid, and every, everybody played their role pretty well here. It probably the worst match on the show, but but Windsor was was good. So uh, it was it was okay, but nothing that you need to go out of your way to check out. So the Southside Women's probably just doesn't exist anymore. I would imagine, they, yeah, they just toss that thing to the side, yeah. And, what and, they've done with the other unifications because so Windsor so is already the Rev Pro Women's Champion, so she might as well just right. keep that and that just yeah, just right. Southside's done and, and move on with Rev Pro. I was surprised the Southside women's title still exists. I just didn't get around to merging them at any point, I guess. Um, tag team titles. I was a little surprised by this finish. I guess it means that subculture is going to be working here at least on one more show. So uh, Flash Morgan Webster, Mark Andrews defeat the Greedy Souls, Brendan White and Danny Jones, who 
uh, were the tag team champions in the beginning, a pretty substantial push as two guys that are former, um, you know, their version of young lions that they have. Um, they they kind of copy the new Japan model and Brendan White's a guy who came up through that. I think Danny Jones, let me double check. No, Danny Jones, is the guy who's been around, um, but Brendan White, without question, uh, whatever happened to, to, to fucking who's the guy who came up with uh, Will Pennyfeather? Was that his name? Uh, oh, was, yeah. What remember that, that dude guy? that he came I up with? Do. Um, I think his name was. Uh, Let me see if I can find. They were they were young boys together. His. Uh, when they came into. Uh, Rev yeah, Pro. What the hell was that guy's name? I, I don't remember. I, I know who you're talking about. It was the most British name of all time. It was Kenneth British. Halfpenny. Kenneth Halfpenny. Kenneth, That's Kenneth the guy. Halfpenny. I don't know what's up with Kenneth Halfpenny. Yeah, I don't know what he's doing. What oh, happened he, to Kenneth Halfpenny? Uh, he hasn't wrestled since December of 2021, so uh, I don't know ah. what happened to Kenneth Halfpenny, but it's over. Oh, that's a great name, Kenneth Halfpenny. That's the most British name, and he had a very British face, Kenneth Halfpenny. <laughs> yes, he did. The guy, the guy just looked very British, too, but... Um, <laughs> He did. He was a very he unfortunate. With, he was a very unfortunate looking man. But Ken, Kenneth Halfpenny. But it worked. It worked um, for the the business of wrestling. But uh, yeah, yeah. It didn't work. He was ridiculous. <laughs> he, he knew the man wasn't going to make it. Um, I don't know what happened to him. No idea. Yeah. Um, but he must have. I feel like he wrestled Brendan White a thousand times. It maybe was only once or twice. But I feel like they wrestled each other. I do. I feel like every time we previewed Rev, uh, uh, Rev Pro, it was like Kenneth Halfpenny and Brendan White will be in the opener, and then, you know. But yeah, I don't know yeah. what. To... This surprised me. I didn't. I thought Subculture was just coming in to put greedy souls over, but I don't know. They won the titles, which okay. Um, again, this is probably loading up that Copper Box show. You know, you put Mark Andrews and Flash Morgan Webster on that show. You get some names from the scene from years ago and guys who are, you know, have worked WWE and now impact. That's probably the idea behind this. Yeah, for sure. It's a good move. A good move. And those guys are, are solid workers. Uh, I don't I somehow some way were able to escape all of the shit going on. Um, we don't talk enough about Mark Andrews. He is he he's in a uh, a punk rock band. Pop punk band as well as the British wrestling scene, and somehow escaped speaking out. He must be the nicest man on earth. Well, because both just those normal, scenes, I guess. Maybe he's just, he's just a just normal person. A sex pest. Maybe. I know, but it's nobody else in that scene. Nobody else in either of those scenes could not not be a sex pest. So he somehow found a way to be the only human being to be in both of those things that were filled with sex pests and not be a sex pest. So, well, all right. Well, congratulations to Mark Andrews for just being a guy. I just mean, what not we... being a sex pest. When all of your peers are, I, I, I don't know. You got to tip the cap. I, I, I'm, I'm afraid I have to tip his cap. I can't tip a cap for that. I'm not tipping a cap. <laughs> that's, that's fair. That's for fair. just being a normal person. <laughs> for not being a nonce. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I can't. T- I can't tip that. Um, Luke Jacobs versus Filthy Tom Lawlor again. I thought that Tom Lawlor took Jacobs out of his comfort. Jacobs just wants to go and be a little fucking mini Walter. And you know, I saw him have a match for his Gabe kid where they just did entirely too much. They were just. They were probably so excited to go in there and have their 2006 ROH match. And 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 they did, let me tell you. Um, you know, but uh, I thought Lawler really slowed him down. And, um, you know, he, he comes in and he puts him over. Luke Jacobs is going to be a player here moving forward. And he's earned it. And uh, he beats Lawler, who, you know, who knows, probably isn't going to be back. So that's what you do. You bring in a guy like Filthy Tom. And then, uh, you know, you put one of your guys that you're going to be pushing moving forward. Over a guy like that, and that's what they did. 
Yeah, it was good. And Lawler came out in uh, he had his his normal you know gear, but it was all American flag. So he was being a troll here as he was wearing you know American flag short shorts and American flag top or whatever. And yeah, they, they had a really really fun match. Lawler's Lawler's great. Anytime you can book Tom Lawler, you, you should book a Tom Lawler. They he wore that stuff on the um, on the uh, Independence Day New Japan Strong shows in Cork and too. So uh, just to be an ass, <laughs> just to be an asshole. I, I love it. Yeah, it's good. What was the date on this show? The ninth or something like this that? This was. Let me get it. Was the yeah ninth? So yeah, he ninth, went. Yes. So those other two shows were the fourth and the fifth, and he flew to the UK and um yeah so uh and brought the same gear. Next was uh the Trent Seven Shaw Samuels match. This was just a match. I mean, it was like you said they push it as two veteran top contenders and you know we should have seen what was coming um once trent won the match i think he used like a low blow or because mills used a low blow in the opener when the referee's back was turned to set up the win over robbie x and then they did a very similar finish with trent seven and shaw samuels so i want to say he also put his um, feet on the ropes too i think that's how he eventually got the win yeah i think i think i don't know if i forget if he used a low blow but i know i'm almost positive he put his feet on the ropes and got the one, two, three. And people were like, ah, man, that's a little weird. Why do you have to do that or whatever? But it all, yeah, it all made sense later in the night. Yeah, it was all some foreshadowing for where, you know, they were taking him. So and then the opener was Connor Mills and Robbie X. Robbie X might be one of the most underrated wrestlers. He's around, so good. Yeah, he's know? really, really good. He just doesn't have much of a look and he doesn't have any charisma. He works every opener on every Rev Pro show, but he's really, really good. Like he just goes out there. And has really good matches every time. And he's been the cruiserweight champ for a, for a long time. He defends it on a lot of smaller shows. They pushed the idea that he was chasing Oku's record. And here's Connor Mills, Oku's former tag team partner, um, ending Robbie X's reign. He did the low blow. So, uh, you know, Mills, you know, the heel finish here. And um, a little extra heat ending the babyface title reign with the low blow. And uh, and then we talked about how later on, you know, he Mills, Feels like his night was overshadowed when Oku wins the big title. So that's going to be one of the overriding stories in the promotion moving forward. So they do a nice job of that. You know, it's getting away from stories that, but, but not forgetting them. Right. You know, and, and everything matters. And, this, this, um, everything matters in this company. And I, I love companies where that's the case. Love the companies. Yeah. And, you know, whoever's doing the booking now, whether it's Quilden, whether it's someone else, you know, whether it's Osprey having a voice, I, you know, whoever's doing the booking here now, you know, Rev Pro has had periods where they very much relied a lot on outside interference and and bullshit finishes, and they've really toned that stuff down over the last, uh, you know, I'll say, year or so. And you know, there were some heel finishes here, but none of them were. And, it, and there was, you know, they repeated a couple, you know, finishes from match to match, and you know, maybe there needs to be a slightly better communication on that. But overall, um they've really cleaned that stuff up and, and most of the stuff that they do in this promotion is logical and makes sense and adds to the matches instead of making you groan. And it's taking away from the matches, you know, like the Trent seven thing, he won a little dirty, but then later in the night he turned heel. So then you're like, Oh, okay. Right. So All even right. if you were well, like, ah, that was kind of a shit finish. You're like, Oh, well that's why it was a shit finish. Okay. That worked. Yeah. It, yeah. Most, most stuff pays off. They're not just doing shit to do shit, which is, is, is good. <laughs> it seems, it seems like not a lot to ask for, but a lot of companies do not, do that. You know what I mean? A lot of companies don't think that far and just do shit to do shit. The fact that they do stuff and most of it matters, you know, later in the show or later in, in, in their booking uh, is definitely pretty cool. So, yeah, it was a great show. Great show. Go anyway. Uh, RevProOnDemand.com. 
uh, if you want to uh, watch the show uh, Epic Encounters 2023. And as we said, yeah, they're coming up to uh, here in August, end of August, having their biggest show of the year, their 11th anniversary show from the Copper Box. And, and yeah, it should be an absolutely loaded show uh, and should be the highlight of the, the non-all-in Wembley uh, weekend for sure. Three matches official. Osprey Shingo, J.J. Gale versus Kosei Fujita, and Ricky Knight Jr. versus Zack Sabre Jr. Um, maybe, maybe the elusive Zack Sabre Sr., can show up for that match in the corner <laughs> Zach Sabre Jr. against um it looks like on one of the house shows they've got greedy souls against subculture in a mixed six person tag. So it it looks like greedy souls are still feuding or gonna still be feuding with subculture coming out of uh the show we just watched. Uh that's coming up in what the fuck? I just lost my uh, um, in Portsmouth, Portsmouth, however you pronounce that. Oh, on uh, on the thirtieth of this month, and then there's a live in London in early August with nothing announced, and a show in Southampton, and that's it. Those are the last three shows before the anniversary show. So we'll have a pretty good idea, I think, of what they're going to do with the tag titles after this show on the thirtieth, which is in about two weeks. And then it sure seems like it's going to be Trent Seven versus Okuma. Oh, I, w- I would assume. Yeah, they're not doing that on a Southampton show or whatever, right? That's probably the main event of that show. So. And Which, then I don't know what they're going to do with Connor Mills. Or maybe they do the Trent, you know, it wouldn't make sense to do the Trent Seven match. Because you could do Connor Mills, Oku. Uh, That's still got time. Show. I think you still got a lot of time to build that one up. I agree. I would have Oku beat Trent Seven on the anniversary yeah, show. Yeah. That's what I would do. Yeah, and then maybe do Oku Connor Mills next time you're in York Hall or something like that is what I would do. But um, anyway, that's Red Pro. It was a, it was a, yeah, I, I, I really enjoyed the hell out of it. That was a three hour and forty minute show. And granted, I skipped one match because I was pressed for time. I, I groaned at the runtime, but then it flew by because when you enjoy everything and everything's well booked, shows don't feel like a grind. And that show felt didn't feel like a grind at all. No, no, no. It, it, it flew by. Definitely didn't feel like I wasted uh, a second of my time. So definitely could check that show out. RevPro, Epic Encounters, uh, RevPro On Demand. Uh, com. So we're a little low on time here, but we have a few more topics quickly. I think we can we can get these all done in about 10, 15 minutes here. Um, MLW, never say never. I watched the main event. Uh, you saw the entire show. Uh, this is MLW's pay-per-view from last weekend. Replay available at VoicesOfWrestling.com slash fight. Uh, I saw the main event, so I could talk about that. Anything else on the undercard that you think we should check out or anything that you would recommend? You know, Fatu Tankman in the opener for the national open weight title was uh, exactly how you're probably picturing it in your head. Hard hitting. Two guys who aren't afraid to get physical. Fatu then cut a promo after the match, really putting over Tankman. And he made it out like he was going off script doing it. With with And with him, he probably was. Yeah, so, with him, um, <laughs> there's a good chance he was. You know, he grabbed the mic and he was like, these motherfuckers I, I didn't, didn't uh, you know, I, I'm not supposed to have this time. You know, he did one of those deals. And he just put Tankman over. And they raised each other's hands. But uh, that was a lot of fun. Delmi Exo defeats Ava Everett. Um, and she's now a double champion, I guess, for that WXW title. That's fine. I, I don't I don't really like EXO, so I didn't think much of it. Tracy Williams and Timothy Thatcher. This was a weird one because they did a 2016 Evolve Grapple Fuck match, but then they did 
a finish. They did a worked knockout finish, like where Williams was like distraught that Thatcher got knocked out. Am I making sense? Like Thatcher went limp and the referee waved it off. Oh, I, yeah. Okay. And Williams sold it like, ah, my grapple friend is not in good shape here. Like that uh, kind of thing. Like, hmm. and then Thatcher, like, cool. you know, came to, <laughs> Sounds and, awesome. you know, yeah. And it was completely flat and what and oh, and did, I'm and stunned. Died, and I'm stunned. The a, a Timothy Thatcher and, um, thing uh, did not get over in front of a live audience in the in the ECW arena, <laughs> right? Stunned because uh, <laughs> the crowd was hot for the rest of the show. I mean, and they oh, were they're red molten hot for the main event. event. Yeah, they were molten for the main event. And so. This just didn't get over because I think it was a little too because it never gets over. No one, Timothy Thatcher, it never gets over. <laughs> I'm trying to be diplomatic, like. The match didn't get over. Don't get me wrong. But the finish definitely didn't get over because people don't want to cheer when they think someone just got paralyzed or something. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it yeah. was a weird finish. It didn't work. They should leave that one in the holster. It, it didn't work. Uh, the country whipping match, <laughs> Mance Warner. <and> Sam, <laughs> again, picture it in your brain. Good That's old Mancer. Was, you know, yeah. is, is Mancer whipping Sam Adonis to heel and the, and the crowd going nuts for it. They enjoyed it, you know, and then, uh, Fans bring the weapons, uh, Akira and Ricky Shane Page. They win the titles from the Samoan SWAT team, uh, the Tongan Juicy Finale and, and, and Lance Anaway. Um, fans brought the weapon. Remember last week I said I brought a Sega Genesis to a fans bring the weapons match? Yeah. I shit you not. Someone brought a Sega Genesis Incredible. to this. Yes. And it was wrapped up. I, I'm almost positive it was a Sega Genesis. The black, you know, with the reg- I, I, if it wasn't the Sega Genesis, I don't know what it looked like Sega Genesis to me, and it was wrapped up in the barbed wire. And uh, yeah, I thought that was funny, but uh, they're still pushing the calling. You know, Delirious got involved in this. And, <laughs> Great, uh, you know. So uh, when you can push Delirious in the year uh, twenty twenty three, you just got to you just well, got to do it. Yeah. When you can push yourself in the year twenty, we <laughs> well, all know that he's got a hand <clears> in this. <throat> I mean, <laughs> but um. He took some good bumps for for Jacob Fatu, who was out there cornering his boys. I can boys, still work. You know, I can so. still work for sure. Um, and then the main event. This was another show that really flew by. Like it was a nice, you know, it was only a two hour show, which was perfect for what this was. And um, nothing was terrible on the undercard. And then the main event, I thought was pretty good. I thought the main I event mean, was really, really good. I, I go I, ahead. I've talked a lot. You well, I, I kind of went into it thinking, ah, here we go. It's you know. And I like Alex Kane, but Hammerstone is a guy that I Hammerstone's weird. Like, I think I don't like him, but then anytime I watch him, I think I end up kind of liking him. And this was worked at a very fun pace. I like this a very different pace. Like you said, one of the things that was really cool about this match and and cool about a lot of stuff that I watched this week is everything felt a little bit different. I watched a lot of different wrestling from a lot of different areas and a lot of different regions and everything felt a little different. This was like a big time old school, like American wrestling main event, just two big lugs just beating the shit out of each other. And that's kind of what this match was with a molten hot crowd. If you, if you're expecting, Oh, I'm going to watch this MLW show and there's going to be 50 people in the crowd and nobody gives a shit about MLW because who cares about MLW? Not the case at all. This crowd was molten hot on Alex Kane's side. They hated Alexander Hammerstone. They wanted him to lose so badly and it made for a very, very fun match. And these two lugs just beat the shit out of each other, man. There's 22 minutes of them beating the hell out of each other. Big moves, big bombs, kickouts. It 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 really worked. Like I I I'm stunned that I'm going to tell people re- that I recommend this match, but I really do. I, I think you got to go anyway and watch this. It was a very very good main event, and and and, and Hammerstone is a guy that again like 
Every time I sit down and watch it, I think, ah, man, I'm not going to like this. And I end up usually liking his matches. And Kane, I thought, was really good here. And, and yeah, the hot crowd just added to it. And this is a pretty good main event. So definitely, if you're, if you're you know, it, it, it was a big deal, too, because Hammerstone had been the champion for a long, long time. So it's a long time. It's a significant match. And, and, and if you kind of want to follow the world of wrestling at large and, and watch everything that's significant, you probably should watch this because it was a big time title switch. And we always say it. The one thing MLW undoubtedly does well is they make their big stars feel like big stars. And Hammerstone feels like a big deal. His title reign felt like a big deal. And this Alex Kane push, I've been talking about it for a year. They're do- they've done him right, and they got him over. This motherfucker was over like crazy in that building. Oh, I couldn't the believe Bumaye it. Chance, mm-hmm. and and Hammerstone, <laughs> Hammerstone knew that they hated his guts as much as they loved Kane. Hammerstone got the got the old same old shit chant that they used to give Brian Danielson in ROH. You know they were sitting, they were chanting same old shit at Hammerstone, and he was eating that up. And uh, he played heel here. And uh, yeah, he did the gimmick you know, where he Kane, took his shirt off and he was about to toss it to the crowd and everybody was booing. So he said, ah, yeah. fuck you. And just threw his shirt down <laughs> and none of you get my shirt. Then I don't care. Yeah. People probably don't believe it. This had a great, not good. This had a great, great crowd face heel dynamic. Yep. Great, great face yeah. heel dynamic and a great crowd. Yeah. And they wanted Kane to win this fucking title. They, they may have rioted if this guy didn't win the fucking <laughs> I thought title. about that too. Yeah. They were all in. They were so hot for this. I couldn't, you know. Because I haven't been watching. I, I stopped watching MLW when what, – what network were they on? Uh, Reels. Uh, Reels, yes. Reels. That's the last I've seen of MLW because I looked at what they were – and it was all shit that was taped a million years ago. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to drop back in for the pay-per-view. So I didn't realize how hot Alex Kane had gotten. Maybe nobody did because, you know, this – and, and this is not like a wrestling crowd that just bought a ticket to a wrestling. No, these were MLW fans. Yeah. These people were wearing MLW t-shirts and, and Alex Kane. Well, they knew the chance. Yeah. It, it, Alex Kane came out and, and as he's coming to the ring, people are just in unison chanting, boom, I, yay, boom, I, yay. You know what I mean? Like they were all in. He didn't have to get yeah. them to start chanting things. They were chanting it for him. So no, it, it was. Yeah. yeah. And they wanted this guy to win badly. And I don't know if, look, they've run that building a lot and. You know, they've got their little fan base there in Philly. And, um, you know, maybe the TV did help them a little, too, in getting people over and getting the promotion over. I don't know. They claimed it was a sellout, but they always claim it's a sellout. So I don't <laughs> know how many people were there. Uh, Matt Stryker was fucking atrocious. Oh, he's that so has bad. to be mentioned. He's so bad. He just keeps getting worse somehow. I don't yeah, know how. And, and Dombrowski, Joe Dombrowski, who did the kind, he's really good too. And it was like, he's good. He, you yeah, got to get, you got to get Matt Stryker out of there, please. For the God's sakes, we don't yeah, have to hear yeah. Matt Stryker in 2023 anymore. You could probably get somebody cheaper too. I mean, I, you know, I, you know, but he's, he's terrible. He's the absolute shits. You know, he was going on his own little personal rants, like out of character. It was just, uh, I can't remember any of them. No, there was stuff but, going on. Yeah, Dombrowski uh, would like ask him a question, and he's like, "Oh, well, I don't, you know, who cares about it?" And then like something happened where Alex Kane did a move, and, and Stryker's like, "I'm sure you're going to defend that." And it's like, what are you talking about? I haven't. He's like Dombrowski's just trying to be the straight laced, like you know, babyface announcer. Yeah, yeah. Matt Stryker's trying like hell to try to make himself into some sort of heel announcer, Bobby Heenan, Jesse Ventura thing, and it's just it's not working. But dude. he hadn't done that all night. Yeah, he hadn't done it. Like, yeah, uh, it was like out of nowhere, and Dombrowski's like, "I don't know what you're talking." I haven't said anything. And he's like, oh, that's what you always say. It's like, what is going on here? Like, what about that one rant he went on where he's like, you know, some people always try to 
tell you that they're working on themselves and making themselves better people. How about just live your life and be happy? And Dombrowski was like, he didn't know what to say. <laughs> like, what is like, what are you talking about? Like, I don't even know why he's starting. <laughs> yeah, I don't. He's so bad. Go away. There's something wrong with him, I think. I, 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 I don't know. Something's going on with that guy. He was even worse than he usually is. But, um, yeah, super hot main event. Um, <laughs> shockingly hot main event. And a new champion. And the crowd went nuts for he won. They did the big celebration. He had his whole, the whole Beaumaier Fight Club deal. So he had all. Oh, the ring was uh, filled with guys. Yeah, the ring was filled with guys. And everyone's chanting and going nuts and yeah. confetti and all. Yeah, the whole nine yards. It was I cool. will say this. His, pro, his promo sucked. I will say that. His it promo wasn't very sucked. good, yeah. He, he, he kind of drifted in and out of uh, character, and his promo wasn't exactly an inspiring, hot new babyface champion promo. Uh, should probably work on that a bit. But um, look, his push has been perfect from day one. You know, he came in with with Mo, with uh, with King Mo originally, and his gimmick was he would do the suplexes, and King Mo would hold up a a card like that's one that's two that's three you know what i mean yeah he's so the gimmick suplex was, assassin he's... yeah he's the suplex assassin so. yeah and then king mo like always happens with him in pro wrestling eventually just disappears from the promotion. <laughs> and then you go what happened to king mo and <laughs> yeah so they hooked him up with uh uh this mr thomas which is the old he was from uh the old chikara tag team the uh yeah blaster mcmassive uh, or whatever yeah or, uh, whatever they were called, uh, what the was devastation, the, the, the devastation corporation. Yes. And, um, you know, so he's like his, uh, right hand man. He was, he was blaster and... McMassive, by the way. I think the other ones. Yeah. yeah. The other guy's out of wrestling. <laughs> yeah. And, and O'Shea Edwards is the other guy that's part of the crew. And, um, it's over, it's over big time. And it, it it's again, you can knock MLW for a lot of things. You really can. You cannot knock them for they know how to push a guy to the top and they know how to make their top guys feel special. Jacob Fatu still feels special. Hammerstone and now Alex Kane. They have another one. And uh, Judge, before he left, and Doku, he felt special. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and the thing about Fatu and him still feeling like a huge star is that elevates the national open weight title. It makes that title feel like a big deal. And like you're watching something of importance because Fatu is a big deal. So, uh, look, is this the show of the year? Absolutely not. Is the main event something that I think people should make time for? I do. The rest of the card, you can probably skip it, but um, nothing was bad. I mean, Tracy Williams, Timothy Thatcher was probably the worst match because the finish was so awkward. But, you know, there was nothing on this show that I could rip apart because I'd be happy to. I just can't. Uh, We do have to mention the newest uh, (laughs) Court Bauer thing. Uh, Don King, yes, that Don King appeared at the show because he is the... I don't know how Court does it. He uh, is the backer of Alex Kane. The real Don King... Of the Bumaye Fight Club, yeah. The real Don King was there. So The actual real Don King yes. is part of MLW canon. <laughs> he how does he is... He's the promoter of the Bumaye Fight Club, yeah, Rich. Yeah. What do you mean, what's he doing there? So... I don't know how Court Bauer does it. How did he get Don King is like 94. He has enough money to last him forever, I'm sure. Is still making money hand over fist with all of his stuff that he's doing, I'm sure. And here, how did he do it? Don King is 91 years old. (laughs) 
91. How does court do this? Only in America. Yeah. That Don King. It's he part of care. MLW. He the check. Yeah, I, I wonder if you said, "Hey, I'll buy one percent of your company," knowing that this WWE lawsuit thing is coming, and he's going to get one last payday before he, uh, you know, kicks the bucket here. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, one more, one more payday for Don. Uh, I would make sense. He'd say, "Hey, I'm going to give you a hundred thousand dollar loan for you know X amount percent of the company, and then I'm going to I'm going to get a payout here once WWE settles with you." And they were like, "Yeah, sure." Can we film you? <laughs> sure, whatever. I don't care. It's it's Don King, man. As long as the check clears, he'll do it. So, um, there's a uh, article from the Guardian from a month ago on Don King. It says at that here's the title: At 91, Don King still longs for the spotlight. Ah, uh, yeah. Well, well that tracks in <laughs> the world. Yeah, That's, there's uh, no bigger spotlight than the world of MLW. Yeah, yeah. So. New York Post had a story four days ago. Inside Don King's surprise entry in pro wrestling with the new MLW champion. Wow. Quote, perfect moment. So here's why you bring in Don King. Because you get in the New York Post, right? You get in the Guardian. You get you get you get publicity because it's Don King. I don't know. What do you want me to say? It's, it's, does it? I don't know how you call Don King. I don't know what they're paying him. But yeah, I don't. I don't it. either. But yeah, it's apparently worth it. That's. I'm saying that my man's got points in this company. There's no doubt about it that Don's getting a percent here. Don King. Yeah. Well, maybe he don't even know what he's doing. He didn't look too enthusiastic about the appearance. Well, <laughs> it is still a payday, but you know, he, he just might... had a kind of shitty, a shitty mug on his face, and he's just like. There wasn't much to it. No. Well, he's 91. What do you want out of the guy? Maybe his family's just putting him up to it. He don't even know what he's doing. Yeah, Maybe it's possible, it's too. Like... Yeah, but... Uh... Hey, good for good for MLW. The, 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 the court has... has he, he wrangled Loki. He wrangled Teddy Hart. He somehow gets Fatu to show up, and, and now he found, Don a to, King. found a way to get Don King involved. <laughs> Ernest, actual Don King involved in 2023 and not even just like, <laughs> can we use your name and say that you're a backer? No, like literally Don King shows up on no. the show. It's it's unbelievable. On <laughs> it's unbelievable. On screen, Don King. <laughs> oh, dear God. All right. So that is uh, MLW. Uh, we talked about that real quickly. Uh, Inspire. I, I watched their Ecstasy of Gold show uh, that was on independent wrestling dot uh, TV. We, of course, interviewed Biss. Uh, the booker and promoter of uh, Inspire. Uh, we talked to him a couple weeks ago on this show. I uh, was able to watch the entire show. A pretty good show overall for them. This is obviously their their anniversary show, so they're celebrating their anniversary. I will say something that you would enjoy. They had about a 10-minute video. I believe it's on their YouTube channel as well, uh, just going over the history of Inspire uh, Wrestling, and, and there's so much stuff in there that I'm sure you would uh, – uh, enjoy watching, you know, knowing that you, you, you know, we, we've covered this promotion since day one. And I know you went to several shows as well, but yeah, the, the talent, uh, that came through those doors over the years is, is, is pretty wild. And they do a really good promo package, basically going, you know, year by year and in inspires history and, and, and talking about everything that happened in, in, in the company. So, uh, definitely recommend, uh, checking that out. But as far as the show itself, and by the way, oh, and by the way, not, not booking people after they've made it either. In most cases, the talent that's come through there got their first break there or their first push yeah. in a in a in an indie there or you know it was someone that you know they believed in as a young wrestler and then they 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 go on to do big things so um that's important too because anybody could just go book names right and then right, stick right. them in a video package 
but this was a promotion where you know that where they brought in Sammy Guevara from South Texas, and they they, they gave Ricky Starks his first push, and they Keith Lee uh, was a big they, part they, of they, early days. Yeah, Keith Lee, and, yeah, and and Ray Rowe, and 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 people like that. Uh, you go right down the line. So um, you know Athena, you know she had already been established in Austin, but you know that was someone else that that they were using in early. So you know you go right down the line. But uh, yeah, great, great video package. So I think that's on their YouTube channel as well. Uh, if you want to check that as far as the matches that you need to watch, I uh, just need to check out. Uh, I'll say the uh, the undefinable title match inspire undefinable title match. Uh, Will all day uh, versus Kevin Knight. Very good. Very, very good. Kevin Knight uh, played the heel in this match. So it's a little bit different than what you're used to with Kevin Knight. Uh, but yeah, he looks fantastic. He's a guy that I think is is he's not all the way there just yet. He's still got to refine some things and, and, and it's not a complete package just yet. Uh, but you could tell there's some talent on this guy, and you could tell that that he's going to figure it out pretty soon. And he was, I thought, spectacular uh, in, in that match. And Will All Day, I, you know, he was selling most of the match, uh, in, and that was kind of the gimmick of the match that he came in with a hurt knee and a hurt back or whatever. So he wasn't as spectacular as I've seen him before, uh, but it, he was solid as hell in this match and 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 good. Yeah, so a really really good match. It went about 17 minutes. Will All Day got the win uh, to retain the undefinable championship. You didn't really you didn't want Kevin Knight to win this title. You know, he was just kind of coming in. Um, you know, from from New Japan Strong or whatever, but uh, good stuff uh, that match for sure. Uh, Yuya Uemura and Danny Orion, uh, fifteen minutes and thirty six seconds. Yuya obviously getting the win. They just beat the every living shit out of each other. This was if if you're if you're looking to buy Uemura uh, stock and or you're not quite done with him or you're not you're, you know you you still think that this guy has a chance to be something big and he's going to return to New Japan and all that sort of stuff. Uh, this is a match that makes you think, oh man, when they're ready, when the, when New Japan says, hey, we want you back, and he comes back to New Japan. Man, he is is he's so good. He is so so good. And yeah, him and Daniel Ryan. Who I haven't seen a bunch of Daniel Ryan, but he was really good here. And they just beat the ever living shit out of each other uh, in 15 minutes. A really really cool finish as well, where Yuya uh, put him in an armbar, and Yuya was like, you know, instead of just locking him in the armbar and, and wrenching back, like Yuya Murr is like moving around the armbar and trying to jump up and down and just kind of make it, just wrench his arm like completely out of its socket. And then Danny eventually has to you know tap out uh, and loses the match. So yeah, definitely check out that match. Uh, and the main event, I can't fully recommend the main event. It was a title ranking match. Biss talked about it. Uh, it was a pretty big deal in Inspire history and a really cool idea for a match type where you put two champions together and they did this with, I believe it was Ricky Starks and and, and Keith Lee many, many years ago. Yes. And they both have titles and whoever wins that match, whatever title they own is now the top title in the in, in the company. So it'd be like in 1991 or whatever, if you had Bret Hart versus you know Hulk Hogan or whatever, the WWF title versus the Intercontinental title, and Bret Hart won, well then, fuck, the Intercontinental title is now the top title in the company. And that's sort of what they're doing here. <laughs> neither, of these, neither of these people were Hulk Hogan or, or Bret Hart or whatever, but that's the idea. And it's a really cool concept. I love it as an indie concept. I think it's really, really awesome. Uh, so it's Rachel Rose uh, versus Dmitry Alex- Alexandrov. And it just didn't quite, and it's intergender, and you know my thoughts on intergender. I know your thoughts on intergender. It was just clunky, and I think Rachel Rose is really good. Uh, Dimitri, I'm kind of meh on. I've, I've seen him a couple times. He's, he's, I, I'm not fully in on him. And I'll give credit to Rachel. I think she did a really good job in this match. She sold well. She had good offense. But there's just, to me, there's always a limit on intergender. So I, I, it was a 20-minute main event. She got the win. It was a very emotional moment for somebody that you know grew up through the ranks of Inspire and, and worked herself there. And now she is this champion, and it's the top championship in Inspire. Like, it all, the story all makes sense. It's just I always have a limit with intergender. And these two just didn't seem like they could get on the same page or just really get a flow going. So I did not love the main event. 
uh, can't fully recommend that one, but but can definitely recommend uh, Will All Day, Kevin Knight, Yui Uemura, and Daniel Ryan. Uh, and then a few of the other matches on the show were solid, but if you're pretty pressed for time, I would say those two matches definitely go out of your way uh, to check out. For you, though, and, and, and for people that are interested in, in kind of the history of Inspire that we talked about, uh, there's an Ethan Price, Exodus Prime, and Stephen Wolf uh, versus the Great Depression, Hollywood Strangler, and Red Scare match. That's just a throwback to like early days uh, Inspire. So definitely go and check that match out with some Great Depression. Uh, we talked about a lot with this. But uh, yeah, overall, I mean, a fun show. Uh, I'm glad I was able to watch it. And, and it's you know a lot of the other stuff that I didn't really you know, mostly press for time here. A lot of stuff that I didn't talk about wasn't bad. I think everything was pretty good. But yeah, if, if you're really looking at what matches should I watch in that show, the Will All Day, Kevin Knight, and, and the UU or Murphy's Daniel Ryan are definitely ones to watch. Everything else, you know, it's up to you and, 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 and what time you have. Yuya Yuramura gets rave reviews here. Rave reviews. He was so Remember good in this match. The project. He was he, really good. Yeah. He, rave reviews, and I was told that's a must-watch match because he basically makes Danny Orion here. And, yeah. Oh, yeah, he uh, does, because I've never seen... I, I, I may have seen Danny Orion once or twice or whatever. I thought nothing of this guy when it was over. I was like, that guy's good. And I was like, wait a minute. Is he good? I don't know. Maybe Yuya Yuramura Yeah. Yuya Yuramura is... Like I'm saying, anytime New Japan wants to bring this guy back, if and when, he's he's ready, man. This guy's ready. He's done with his little Texas run. He's back in Orlando, from what I understand. Okay. Okay. So, um, not with, he doesn't live with Carl. He's not living with Carl, though. Um, he's in Orlando and uh, living with someone else, but, you know, still here on the excursion. Um, I heard he stopped taking dates after a certain, he's not taking dates after a certain time period. Now, that doesn't mean anything because it could just be waiting to see how the impact dates, dates shake out or whatever. But um, he's uh, I, I've heard that he's not taking dates beyond the uh, the the late summer, early fall. Read into that how you will. Um, again, it could just be waiting to see how impact, which is his top priority, um, where, when and where they need him. So I don't know. Or it could be that he's coming back after the G1. So, um, you know, just uh, we'll, we'll continue to keep an eye on it because people are very interested in this whole you and Morris situation. All right. So we'll real quickly here. We, we should have done an overrun this episode. I did not realize we had so many things that we still had to do. So the G one that's coming up this weekend. I, I know it's, it seems ridiculous. That well, what are we really going to say? What I are mean, we going to say? The matches I, are going to happen July 15th. It starts previews up at voices of wrestling.com. We'll review this stuff on the show. We'll talk about it. We'll check in and do all those sort of things as, as the tournament goes on. So it starts. Yeah, I mean, July the G one. it starts this weekend. It's Sapporo like usual. And um, I, I don't know. I, I you know, the fucking G one yeah, is starting. It's G one. There you kind go. Of, that, lot to watch. So it's I don't feel I don't feel bad about that one. Uh, so there you go. That was our G one coverage. I, I do feel bad about the fact that uh, <laughs> again, this show. You nothing like this show, man. <laughs> There's no other show like this show. What other show is going to spend uh, a half an hour on Mantar and, and forty minutes on CMLL and then just go ah G one? Yeah, whatever. Um, but that's us, and the G1 does start this week. But um, two things we have to get through real quick, and then, then we can uh, bid you adieu. I forgot about Slammiversary, but I guess we'll watch Slammiversary <laughs> this weekend as well. I don't feel like going match by match on Slammiversary. We got a preview up no. at VoicesOfWrestling.com. Uh, I've kind of hand-waved impacts as of late, but it's Slammiversary, so I'll watch it, and, and we'll cover it next week probably. But uh, no need to uh, uh, preview that show. But uh as I am watching on my side TV here, I'm watching Fortune Dream 8, the Kenta Kobashi produce show from a couple of weeks ago, and I see a man on my screen that, Joe, you wanted to talk about, so I will give you the floor. Okabayashi, Yuji Okabayashi. 
Oh, so he's going on a hiatus or he's going away for indefinite a while. leave of absence is what is is there you term go. Is, That's yeah. the official verbiage. So he had his final two matches on the 29th and the 30th, both in uh, was it Shinkiba first ring or was it? Uh, um, yes. So anyway, I think let me let me clarify that. But yeah, there were two. Yes, yeah, both both in first ring. So the first one was against Yasufumi Nakanoe, and he lost that one. He put Nakanoe over. And uh, you're going to be surprised to know that it was pretty great. I went four and a quarter on that. And then the next night, he beat uh, Takuho Kato. So he won his going away match. And that one was even better. I went four and a half on that. So, um, look, he's not calling it a retirement. This is a mysterious surrounding this. I don't know what the deal is. I don't know if he's just, this is his escape plan from Big Japan. I don't know what's going on in his shoot life. Um, and, and he'll just come back maybe in a year or two or whatever, or six months. But they really made a big deal of this. They, you know, everybody came out to the ring after both matches and everything. And uh, he did make it a point to put Nakanoe over in the first match. Um, a guy who's, you know, I, the, the big Japan I've been watching, he's been having a pretty decent year. And um, Okabayashi is someone who hasn't really slipped at all. You know, I think Sakamoto has slipped a little bit from uh, from his peak a few years ago. Okabayashi is not. And, um, you know, I, I don't know what his next move is. I don't know when he's going to be back. But these are two matches that are well worth going out of your way to see. It's classic Okabayashi. They're just kick-ass, meat-slapping matches with a lot of drama. And those crowds there, look, there's only 150 people there or whatever in that little building in Tokyo. But um, you would think that there's 1,500 people. You know, they knew the significance of it. And they were red hot for both of those matches. And, um yeah, you'll probably be hearing about more of them when I write up my uh, my little write up for the June notebook roundup. Uh, definitely the Kato match for sure. So, uh, yeah, Yuji Okabayashi. I don't know when we're going to see him wrestle again, but um, he's had a very strong year. You know, he, he had some other stuff earlier this year that I thought was pretty great. So, uh, I'm glad he's not terming into retirement because um, you know I, I he he's clearly not showing any signs of decline. The guy's still great. Yeah, I've watched a little bit of his stuff, and I will watch these two matches now. Like I said, I'm kind of going through the list right now. That's why I'm watching Fortune Dream uh, in the background as we're, as we're doing this show. Uh, a little Quiet Storm, you know, Yuji Hino, Yo- Okabayashi. Like, this, this is my shit, man. These guys. Jeez. I'm looking on the corner, and it's just they're just flexing and slapping each other. So I'm, I'm already in. I'm already – Yuji Hino just flexed his uh, – his, 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 uh, um, his chest, so I, I'm in. Yeah, this is right up my alley for sure. But uh, yeah, I, I want to watch it, and it's it's weird. Like you said, I don't know what this is. I don't know what's going on. I know some people have speculated it's just maybe a way for him to get out of Big Japan. I don't know. I don't I don't see it that way either. I, I don't know. I don't know what I see. I, I don't know what the next step is for this guy. But yeah, I'm glad it's not a retirement. I don't. I don't. I don't see him co- popping up in New Japan. No, no. I, I saw I, people doing that. There's. No, I I would be absolutely floored if New Japan thought that that's that this was a the guy they needed to add to their roster. And that's nothing against him. It's just more about how New Japan books and and the type of talent they use and and who they want to you know feature and 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 they don't need you know. They don't need Okabayashi. I mean, anytime you can add an Okabayashi, you, of course, would do it. But New Japan is the last company in the world that needs you know, that guy on their roster. Every other company in Japan needs him more. Every other company in the world needs him more than, than New Japan does. So um, I don't know. It's, it's, it's strange. I don't know what to make of it. Hopefully, it's just, maybe he just wants to step away for a little bit and, and reassess and come back in a year or whatever. But I hope, like you said, I hope that we don't see the end of him because he's still, he's still really, really, really good. And, and the fact that he doesn't call it retirement uh, is definitely good. It definitely gives you a little bit of hope that, you know, 
he is coming back at some point. But yeah, he, he everything I've seen from him this year has been great, and I can't wait to watch these two matches too. So just wanted just wanted to bring that up because I know you wanted to talk about Kobashi. So there we go. Yeah. Uh, that is it for us. We've covered many, many things here on this show. So again, instant reaction live next week for AEW Blood and Guts. Make sure you subscribe. Flagship Patreon.com. Uh, Patreon.com slash Voices of Wrestling. Voices of Wrestling dot uh, com slash Patreon. Also, previews, reviews, columns, all that other stuff available at Voices of Wrestling.com. Uh, Voices of Wrestling.com slash Discord as well if you want to join in on the conversation there. And we're on all the dumb social media apps that nobody really uses anymore. We don't really use that much. So you can go on those if you want, but uh, just follow us on the internet at Voices of Wrestling.com. That is the best way to do it. Or subscribe to these podcasts on uh, your podcast app of choice. That's probably the best way to stick with us and figure out what the hell we got to say about wrestling these days on the podcast and on the internet, on the website. So uh, that is it for us. Again, Instagram Action Live next week, AW Blood and Guts. That is Joe. I am Rich. We will talk to you next time on the Flagship Podcast. Take care. Hello. Do you like New Japan Pro Wrestling? Are you a Shin Nihon freak? If so, check out the Super Jcast with Joel and Damon on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. And even if you fucking hate New Japan Pro Wrestling, listen to the Super Jcast anyway. Not just for our great show reviews, analysis, and pastrami sandwiches, mm-hmm. but there's also usually some dick jokes somewhere in the obligatory opening 30 minutes of absolute nonsense we chat about every single week. That's the Super Jcast for all the best talk about New Japan Pro Wrestling, crisps, and pornography.